Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Strickland. I'm your host, Shwenipu. This is episode 267. I am joined, as always, on uh, his Victory Monday by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPat89. Stacy, how are you doing? Got that Empire State of Mind, man. Empire State Building State of Mind. That was the dumbest shit I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't believe that. That was so cool. Can I just tell you, the, the funniest thing is that... Ian Begley, shout out Ian Begley. I've seen him probably tagged in a million comments from Knicks fans. What the fuck is going on? All caps. Leon, you need to ask Leon and Tibbs the fuck they're doing with Cam. And he just says like, "Hi, uh, Ari or something like the state or or, or Stacy." Shit, I probably tagged him. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for the the question. And then he just responds politely. But then this shit was the straw that broke the camel's back. And uh, I've never seen Ian Begley pissed online about anything, but this was the first time. I mean, I genuinely like. I I don't even like forget being pissed. I just don't even understand it. Like they did it for the Chiefs too. I don't know if it's a tradition though. I I can't remember them doing that in the past. But they did it for the Chiefs yesterday too. Yeah, they did it for the Chiefs afterwards. And then they tweeted out, "Trust us, this hurts as much as it does you." But I was like, I don't think that's going to win back the. <laughs> the what troops on the ground. Why? Why would it matter to anybody in New York if they put up Chiefs colors? What the fuck? No, I, mean, um, I think they were talking. They were trying to make up, I guess, for the earlier tweet. But they did yeah. clown. Um, what's his name? The barstool guy. That was pretty funny. I did see that part. Uh, what's his name? Portnoy. Uh, Portnoy. Yeah. yeah, Michigan fan too. But uh, yeah. you don't have alum, that. unfortunately. Uh, all right. Well, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Please check that out and give us a follow on there. That's at the Strick.Lin on Instagram. We are posting all kinds of new content on there. So again, please give us a follow. That's at the Strick.Lin on Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel where you may or may not be watching this very podcast. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. If you're not already subscribed, that would be a major help to us. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that comes out every other week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, along with Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to... Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $30 tier, $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. The Knicks... They went two and two last week. Uh, they beat Cleveland. They beat the Celtics. Uh, probably their best win of the season, and 
one of their best regular season wins in a long time. I'll say that. Um, and then they lost on Saturday to the Nets. I forgot who they lost in the first game of the week, which is really annoying me right now. But I'm too lazy to look. Um, so yeah, that's that's what the Knicks did last week. They went two and two. Uh, I'm looking it up now. Looks like they lost to. Da, 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 da. Uh, they lost to the Raptors. The Raptors. Yeah, the Raptors. Uh, which another very annoying game. Um, they're 27 and 24 now. There's still a game back of the six seed. Um, I don't know. I, I, a lot of people were pissed about the game on Saturday. I really wasn't. I thought they actually played pretty okay. Uh, the offense was nasty in the first half. I didn't think the defense was as bad as people thought it was. I thought there were. I, I posted this today. I went through all of the three point attempts that the Nets had. I, I, I thought for the most part they did a fine job. Uh, the ones that really burned them were plays that were mistakes on an individual level and that it wasn't it wasn't one of those games where it's just you're getting cut up yeah you're not getting cut up because the scheme you're getting cut up because randall fell asleep or obi fell asleep or brunson has a lazy or late closeout and that was i mean i I counted 11 three-point attempts by the nets that were just the result of bad effort execution whatever they went nine and eleven on those threes. I mean, that's what kills you in that game. You know, we can talk about the offensive rebounding that they conceded at points in the game, but I thought for the most part they did okay. Um, and we can talk about the offensive execution. Like, look, you can't punt. You can't punt uh, an entire half with bad execution of what you're trying to achieve, and expect to win basketball games against a good team. And um, they got burnt. So it is what it is. It's frustrating loss because it's the ninth straight time they've lost to the Nets and you know I I think it's I don't know at some point it does say something if Tibbs can't get this team to get up for and beat a crosstown in division rival Um, he's never beaten the Nets before 0-9 against them I I think that's that's just bad and um, that's something that he needs to maybe address and there have been multiple games where at least one of them. I mean, there was one they lost last year where both Katie and Kyrie are out. All of them were out. Katie was out. Kyrie was out. Simmons Harden was obviously out. Was, yeah, well, no, Sim, they had traded for Simmons. They traded for Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. yeah, Simmons was out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just inexcusable to not have a win at this point against them. But in the analysis of just this one basketball game, I really didn't think it was that bad. Um, I, I thought they, they battled back in the second half. They competed. I thought RJ actually had a really good defensive game um, in this one. I I know people were like really upset about Grimes, but it's like, like one okay, Kyrie Irving gave him buckets, all right, and it's and then it was like, well, he's got to make these threes, and it's like, well, no fucking shit, he's got to make threes. Like, I don't like what am I supposed to do with that? It's not like yeah, you can criticize him and say like yeah, he should make these shots, but. You know, I mean, it's already, you can already see, like, there are people that are like, well, this is why we need to get OG and an OB. Grimes isn't that good. He's not that good of a defender. And it's just like, you know, And then they're going to post fucking apology forms once Grimes magically, completely unpredictably, has a great three-point shooting game, right? Yeah, it's just, I I don't really understand it. And I think, I'm really excited for this trade deadline to be over, because this trade deadline fucking sucks. And the players that are barely on the market are just ones that I'm not particularly sold on being huge needle movers. Um, we can talk about them later, but yeah, I mean, I guess initially just what were your thoughts about the game? 
Um, I, I, I did not go back and watch, so I, I didn't see a thread. So I'll definitely take a look at that. Uh, I did think that people who said that the Knicks three point defense was compl- all of the all of the reason why the Nets went twenty two for forty were exaggerating. But I also think from the way you said it, it sounds like there were. I, I think that I put more of it. I think than you probably did. Um, because I think, I think they probably have to be a little bit more intelligent about how they pick their spots. Um, you know, like there's one, there's one way quickly, you know, he's not making mental mistakes, but he had to essentially defend two shooters and he closed out. And the one at the top was who's number four on the nets again. It was Harris. It was Harris. And then it was uh, Seth Curry. and, And then it was Seth Curry in the corner. Was it Harris and Seth though? Because I think I think the way I remember this particular play, I remember thinking of the two different ones, is that it was number four who's like um, not as good a shooter as I think it was either Harris or Curry in the corner. The point is like you know he quickly closed out above the arc, whereas I you know I would have liked to maybe just give up that shot and, and take away the not give up the corner three to, to the more dangerous corner shooter. Um, but I, I did four, th- four is Sumner. Sumner, yeah. So, like, yeah, I think I think the one I'm thinking about was between Sumner and Harris, and Harris ended up getting the look, which is like, you know, you live with that from Edwards and then Sumner. Um, but those are also just tough, no-win situations. Um, so I, I I do think that those are some things, but I also think that like you're gonna have to live with that with poor point of attack defense, and um, and I think that there's I don't think it's a coincidence that when quickly and Grimes were in together you know, the defense looked a lot better. Um, I would also have liked, they started trapping a bit more with Sims in the second half. I would have liked to see them go to that earlier. Uh, but to your point, I'm not, I wasn't as upset, um, you know, as uh, as a lot of other fans. They made a lot of tough shots. Like, they, that's they didn't have, and the Kyrie stuff is like, it's going to happen, you know. Um, and I mean, but, and the, the things like Kyrie, okay, he's going to go off, right? But like Seth Curry made a couple of like, contested mid-range like you can't do anything patty mills every single shot he made was absolute bullshit like they're like guys draped all over him he's cashing those although on that note though i want to say like quickly got quickly like was like uh, not even like he was trailing and tried to contest a couple of patty mills threes off of like dhos and um and then patty mills hit a couple one thing again i'll say it like the second half, when you if you watched the second half, quickly was on Patty Mills like glue. He didn't give him a, he couldn't even get the ball. And um, so, anyway, not that we have a shortage of of gushing over IQ, but that was just cool to see that like he just was like, all right, like I'm playing good defense, but this dude's hitting shots. I'm not gonna give him shit. And um, I mean, I thought that was IQ played an excellent game. So yeah, definitely. yeah. I mean, and then like Sumner hit that. He hit like I mean, look, it was a bad closeout from Julius, and I included that as one of the ones that I consider like bad effort. But like, look, Edmund Sumner hit, is hitting like a near logo three. What the fuck are you gonna do? Um, and then you know, then who was it? Cam Thomas hit that absolute ridiculous like before the shot clock just expired three from the top of the key. It's like you know, you're just. I thought I thought Harris made Harris was he, yes he capitalized on a couple of threes that were he was left too open, but he made a bunch of ones that were contested too. And like the one that upset me with Harris was like, Obi went under. Yeah. Yep. That, that I, yeah. A, and I, I included that as one that I thought was bad. Like that's not, the scheme is not for Obi to go under. I promise you that is not the scheme. That is just Obi fucking up. And um, you can't have those fuck ups against a shooter like Harris. So like, look, it, 
am I was I upset? Like, sure, I usually am not happy when the Knicks lose a basketball game, but I just thought this was one game. Like, if you and even the stuff like there are people like, oh well, this is what this would have been a great game for Tibbs to go small. And while I kind of get that, I also like I wouldn't have gone small to match up on Claxton. I think Sims actually did a pretty good job, uh, and I think Sims in general. Like this is one of those weird. I think matchups. Hardenstein did too, by the way. I yeah, yeah, I thought Hardenstein was good. Um, but like, I think this is one of those weird matchups where, like, basically, almost you play ninety percent of basketball games. Uh, I'd rather have Mitch over Sims or or Hartenstein. But like, the Nets are a bad matchup for Mitch, and he's not really played that well against them because I think they stress you in ways that look. It's hard being a drop coverage big and. The stuff that he's asked to do, I think it's it's a tough matchup for him. Um, and I think Sims, in some ways, like you saw it, especially in the second half when he was clearly showing out higher, his mobility makes a difference. Um, and I think Hartenstein showed that, like, yeah, maybe you know, it, it looks like he's moving better. So when he is a little bit more mobile, like that gives you an option that Mitch doesn't quite have, which is not really like a knock on Mitch. It's more just that they're different. They're all different types of centers, in my opinion. So. Um, I actually thought Mitch's absence in this game wasn't one that really killed us that much. Um, but like, I mean, on, on the other end, it could have helped, right? Just it could have, it could have, you know, it could have. Like, and we did get, we did give up a lot of offensive rebounds. So. Yeah, I, mean, I think some of those were like not related to. Those are Kobe assists type thing. Yeah, and it was also just like you're scrambling around, right, trying to close out on shooters. It just leads to weird situations. Um, but like. To go back to my point, is like I understand why people are saying go small. I would have been, I would have liked to see him go small. Actually, when in the 13 minutes that Claxton didn't play, he played 35 minutes. So like, there's 13 minutes there where I, I thought any time sharp, right? Yeah, like I think that would have been a great time to go small. But like the minutes where it almost seemed like Claxton almost exclusively played with Kyrie, I think it'd have been tough to go no bigs there or not no bigs, but small there with Randall at the five. And I didn't think those that that really was why we why? lost the game. Uh, I I think Claxton's a bad matchup, man. I mean, he was giving Sims work. I don't think Julius was ready to defend at that level in that game. Um, Julius a little bit more mobile uh, on the pick and roll. Like he, I'm not trusting problem. Julius in pick and roll against Kyrie and Claxton. Well, not if he plays drop, but I mean that's a whole other conversation. I, I'm just I just the, the way he was playing that game. I'm not trusting him in anything. He his defense, especially in the first half, was like. It was as bad as shit we had seen from him last year. So I, I was like, this is just one where if I'm Tibbs, I, I'm not. I just I, I have a really tough time watching this game, being like, this was a coaching loss. And like, I understand that some of the reasons for the loss in terms of like the hot three point shooting and the degree to which we were slowly, methodically trying to ISO guys in the first half, especially, are hallmarks of like games that we have blown under Tibbs but like to me the output of those things did not match up with what I is generally like the process that leads to them like it it didn't seem like a schematic thing and quite honestly in the first half I thought Brunson just set a really shitty tone to start the game Uh, I thought he was playing way too slow I thought he was hunting for his own shot and when he's hunting for his own shot it leads to other guys hunting for their own shots and not playing together and I thought he did, and not just was he hunting for his own shot. I just thought he took forever to do shit in that first, especially the first quarter, but just in the entire first half. Um, and like, look, I, look, Deuce has to sh- make shots and Obi has to get more involved and whatever. But like, if you just look at, I, I thought 
it was obvious when the bench came in that there was just more energy on the floor uh, in the first half. And that's not to say they played particularly great. Like aside from quickly and Hartenstein, I don't really think they did anything that great. But the ball moved faster. The ball got up the floor faster. I thought RJ had a good game too. Uh, yeah, I thought RJ. I thought RJ had a really good game, aside from some really stupid shot attempts in the end of first, early second quarter. Um, but like I, in the second half, he was great. I, I mean, he. You talk about taking it. Like, if your game plan is to punish mismatches, he was the best at it. Randall had a bad game. He had a bad game all all around. I thought. I know he had eight assists, but uh, I thought he was kind of sloppy. And I think his, it looked like the Nets had did their homework. By the way, they were taking away his easy reads. So like. Uh, like he like he was getting caught in the air, um, and like uh, yeah, like he was. Um, the, the Nets were ready for what uh, to take away what he wanted to do. So I thought it was they were. It looked like they had really done their homework. Yeah, and and I just thought RJ had like RJ did a much better job of capitalizing on mismatches. To Brunson's credit, even though I thought his defense was actually fine in the first half, but then it fell off a cliff in the second half, especially the, or specifically I should say the third quarter. Uh, offensively, he was really good in the second half. And like they took off, but it's just, it was too little too late. And if you want to, you know, if you want to get on tips for anything, I, I I would say that like, I think at some point in the fourth quarter, especially like the last two minutes, right? You're down six, seven points. You need to get buckets. And I think you need to prioritize that over defensive integrity. That's probably where you should go, go small. Um, and I didn't love him pulling. I thought him pulling quick in that last two minutes when he did was stupid. Like quick was, there's you you have to have him on the floor in that situation, even if you're going to stay big with Sims on the floor. Then then RJ coming for Grimes. Grimes like he he was not making shots. His defense was like I'm not going to criticize him for getting cut up by Kyrie, but like maybe clearly he wasn't having an impact on him too much in the fourth quarter. So maybe you throw quick on him and see what happens. But like. I just have a really big problem taking quick off the floor uh, at that point in the game because he was he was fucking awesome against the Nets. You know he he was probably yeah. I mean, if you had to, if you didn't want to close small, I would have taken Grimes out. Like he was struggling on defense, he hit a couple big shots. Um, but quickly was feeling it from three yesterday. Um, quickly was arguably one of the Knicks. Maybe the he might have had the best all around performance. Um, certainly one of I, I yeah I don't see how you can't maybe you don't close the game with him there. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Quick is he, he. I I can't say enough. I mean, the sh- the shooting seems like it's coming back now. I mean, since uh, I think over since he's been since the stretch where he started starting and he's gotten more minutes, he's shooting like thirty nine percent from three. Um, so, you know, it could be, I mean, it, it, for whatever reason, he's definitely shooting the ball better. Yeah. I mean, he's not hesitating. It's the biggest thing. Uh, even then, and, and you also, and I think part of it is also, you saw the Nets actually went under a couple of times against him mm-hmm. and, um, he cashed and, him and he cashed him and he also like, he's, he pulled, he was pulling up from deeper, which I think is kind of important for him because, um, you know, because he does have kind of a low release, right? So. If he's able to like get that that extra space matters more than being a footer too closer, so um that's a nice adjustment and yeah like as defenses you know they're gonna like as he starts hitting them they're gonna guard him more closely, um but also like they're gonna give him more space now that he's a real threat off the dribble right so um you know you're seeing the effects of that. Yeah, um, I, I just think it's he's playing with way more he's he's shooting with confidence again, which was 
a weird. And I, I, I always thought I suspected that early in the season, some of that was just like him working through wanting to show his improvement as an in the inside the arc scorer, which he has proven now, and finding a balance between like, okay, I can leverage my pump fake to get inside the arc versus like, okay, I'm open, I should just shoot the fucking three. Um, but and he's I think doing Grimes it. is going through that a little bit now as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll 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 definitely talk about Grimes because I thought he had an interesting game to say the least. Um, but like, I mean, look quickly. Forget just this. It's not just this Brooklyn game, right? I thought he was awesome against Cleveland. I thought he was awesome against Boston. Like he's just on a run right now where he's playing. Probably, I mean, not probably. He is playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, it's not really particularly close. Uh, he is uh, has a career high EFG uh, effective field goal percentage fifty one point six. He's got the highest field goal percentage by far of his career forty three and a half. He's shooting fifty one and a half percent from two, which is again by far the highest mark of his career. Last year was his previous high that was forty four point eight percent in uh, from two. Uh, his advanced or sorry his true shooting percentage fifty five point nine true shooting his career high his came his rookie year fifty five point seven, and that was buoyed on much hotter three-point shooting. So, like, he was 38.9% as a three-point shooter as a rookie. Um, If he gets back up to that, around that number even, and these two-point gains stay where they are at, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's probably like a 60-true shooting guy, which is crazy. That's what he's been at, like, over this... Well, he's been shooting 39% from three the last, like, 20, 25 games. That's what he's been at, so... Yeah, so... That's how he finished the season last year, and it's 59 true shooting, uh, like, you know, that close all-star break stretch. Yeah, so if you just look at his last... uh, Look at his last 20... Hold on, sorry. His last 20 games, uh, which includes eight starts, he is at 48.8 from the field, 39.2 from three on six attempts per game, uh, 83.9 from the line. He's averaging 17.1 points, 4.2 rebounds, 3.4 assists, and 33 minutes per game. Uh, I think the usage could probably, I mean, it, it can go up. We just, we know that, I would like to think that we all know why the usage hasn't gone up because of how we run the offense, but like, that's kind of neither here nor there at this point. Um, and yeah, that's 62 true shooting over that time. So that's over a 20-game sample, 58.3 EFG. Uh, yeah, he, he's playing fantastic. And this is not this is just focused on the offense. I, I think the defense has been fucking tremendous, uh, what he's playing. The, the level he's playing at the end. And, and to be quite honest, like I know there was a lot of discussion about oh, is Grimes the better Grimes is the better defender and all this stuff. And like I don't think it's close, to be honest. Like, is Grimes better 1v1? on an island, then quickly? Sure. Fine. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Does that make him a better overall perimeter defender than quickly? Absolutely not. And you look at any, you know, any lineup he's in, any on-off split, depending on who he's with, who he's paired with, it doesn't matter. Like, he is raising the level of the team's defense when he's on the floor. And for a perimeter guy to do that, especially for a 6-3 combo guard to do it, is... I mean that's not normal. That's like that's like very much not normal. Um, I think again we've talked about this before, but like I think the Knicks have hit absolute gold. They've hit absolute gold with this kid, um, and I'm not even sure they fully understand it. I, I think Tibbs loved. I think Tibbs actually like does love him again now, but 
I'm not sure Tibbs even understands it. Like, I don't think they understand what he is doing and how impactful he is. And like, you know, I know that they've kind of backed off any type of, oh, like, thinking about trading quickly stuff. But like, one, I don't know why that was ever even out there. Uh, especially for like the type of stuff that was rumored right in a first round pick. Like it's one thing if you're like, oh, we're thinking about trading him for Donovan Mitchell. It's another thing for, oh, well, you know, our cap 2024 and all this type of shit. Um, but like now, the way he's played now, I, I mean, look, he, he shouldn't be on the table for fucking guys like OG and Obi or any of these fucking guys that are apparently available at the deadline. He, he's way too good for that. Um, and I mean, look, again, he he plays effectively in every single type of role and situation you put him in. You put him on ball. He figures it out. You put him off ball. He figures it out. You play him next to a point guard. He figures it out. You play him as the point guard. He figures it out. You have him defend point of attack. He'll do something. He'll figure it out. Have him defend wings. He does it. Like he just finds a way to 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 be a winning player. And, like, you really can't say that about, I mean, anybody else really on this team. Like, almost everybody else has to have some certain things in place to be a net positive two-way player. And this guy, like, basically regardless of who you play him with, figures it out. And we've seen this not just this year, but the year before and the year before that. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, it's just, it's fascinating. I mean, you look at also how he's developed. like. Yeah, I mean, he is exactly what the kind of player that Tibbs does value, right? I mean, out of college, skinny as fuck. Uh, you know, he's a really good defender in college, but, you know, his, the first half of his, his rookie year, especially, he did struggle on that end, partly because, you know, he's still getting used to his scheme. You know, most rookies are bad at defense, but he couldn't really attack the paint. He's mostly a shooting specialist. He put on weight. Now he's, I mean, if I told you that he was taking, you know, 20% of his shots at the rim, shooting 50%, over 50% on twos, <laughs> you know, like, I don't think either of us would have, you know, we were both high on him as a rookie, as a rookie, but I don't think we would have projected that or, or, or you know, I think we'd have been shocked. Um, and, um, you know, just basically just the work he's put in, um, the intelligence, the, you know, how, you know, he, the level, of, I think a lot of the issues that, you know, especially a guy like Randall has, um, you know, I, I noticed that it's in, in Boston. Uh, well, there are a few plays where he just, you know, there's just a missed switch, but he doesn't really communicate on defense and, you know, does a ton. This is not, you know, just me ripping Randall, but I think a lot of their issues do fall down with that, especially when you're working new guys in like Sims. And, uh, and that's never an issue quickly. I mean, I think he's the loudest guy out there. And, um, and yeah, I mean, if he gets back to upper 30s, three point shooting, you're, you're talking about maybe not an all star, but, uh, you know, a player just below that level. And, and his impact has always been really high. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of do the Knicks, I don't think he's going to, I think that, yeah, you, he's going to be included maybe in like a Donovan Mitchell type of trade, but yeah, certainly not just to upgrade the roster. Um, and I also imagine that, you know, from what we've heard and, you know, all these things, I would imagine that the trade availability was a two-sided thing. Uh, I, I, you know, there's been rumors that IQ's camp was not fully satisfied with his role. And so the rumors seem to die at the same time that he got more minutes, which A, is maybe the front office realizing his value, but also, you know, probably his camp and, and him being appeased with his role. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think that he's, uh, you know, he's, he just he changes everything about this team. 
Let me throw it back to you. You know, if this is the version of IQ we're going to get, does that give you any buyer's remorse on Jalen Brunson? Mm, not really, um, because they play really well together. Uh, so I just, and like, I, look, we, people do this shit all the time, and I don't really get it. Like, yes, can Julius Randle create offense for himself? For sure. Can RJ Barrett create offense for himself? For sure. Do I think that if we only had one of Brunson or one of Quickly, that general shot creation, dribble penetration, ball handling would be a major issue for this team? Yes, one thousand percent. Like it's not it's it's not a question. You see this with teams around the league where if you only have one nominal good point guard, it's a huge problem. You know, and I think this would be a huge problem for the Knicks if they just had Quickly or just had Brunson. I think you need both guys. And maybe you can say, um, well, if they'd given Quickly a shot last year, you know, they they didn't they wouldn't have needed to go get Brunson. They could have signed maybe somebody like uh I don't know, fucking Tyus Jones, right? I'm not saying that, that that was realistic. Just saying they could have signed Tyus Jones, saved some money, and they could have kept the eleventh pick and drafted Jones. Yeah, I agree that there's a lot of moving parts here judging all of this. And, you know, we talked about it all last season. Like, it was ridiculous that Quickly didn't get an extended chance to be the starting point guard, especially since the last two games when he did, he absolutely balled the fuck out. Um, and he's he's shown this year when asked to be a starting point guard that he's capable of doing it. So, like, they, they fucked that up, and specifically Tibbs fucked that up. But do I have any buyer's remorse on getting Jalen Brunson? No. I mean... They've played 632 minutes together, Quickly and Brunson. Uh, in that time, they have a plus 8.85 net rating, 118.84 offensive rating, 109.99 defensive rating. Like, and, and they're not even shooting that well from three in those minutes. The team is shooting 32.51% from three. So, like, there's definitely scope for offensive improvement in that time. Um, and like again, like I just think you need multiple guys that can handle the ball, and you know, I, I know that if you look at kind of like the the Knicks team and go through, sort it by like on offense shit like that, like Brunson doesn't come out looking great, but anecdotally, I think they've benefited a lot from his ability. I mean, he's the one guy in the in the team that I feel very comfortable with can get a shot off whenever he needs to uh, against anybody one 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 on one. Might not be the greatest shot in the world, but he can get it, and he's a good bad shot maker. So uh, I think there's super, there's a lot of value in that skill set, and I think that skill set, if the Knicks can make the playoffs, becomes increasingly important. So do I have any buyers remorse about that? No, I don't, uh, because I think the Knicks needed to get a guy that can do what Brunson did. And let's be real, like the Knicks are now sitting. I think they are. Let me just double check this. Pretty sure they're eighth in offensive rating this year. Um, that's not all because of Jalen Brunson, obviously, but like he's a huge part of that. And you know, uh, is there some negative defensive downside to that? Sure, because he's not a good defender. We know that. Yeah, the Knicks are eighth in offensive rating right now. It's one hundred and fifteen point one. Uh, just for comparison, like the Cavs are tenth. You know. 114.4 offensive rating. Like, so the Knicks 
they don't have a superstar like Donovan Mitchell. They don't have a rising young stud like Darius Garland and a future MVP God mode level Tim Duncan clone like Evan Mobley or the greatest rim protecting rim running center of all time like Jared Allen. And yet somehow, some way, they have managed to have a slightly better offense so far than the Cavs. So like I think that's I don't think that's possible without Jalen Brunson. And again, it's not just him because I think Quickly's gotten better. RJ's gotten better. Randall's improved from whatever the hell last year was. Um, I think Grimes is a better starting two guard, even offensively right now, than Evan Fournier is for a variety of reasons. You know, I think they have a better offensive team. Mitch has played better, and I think his ability to just dominate on the offensive glass has been a huge benefit. Sims, I know, look, he doesn't take a lot of shots. He doesn't take a lot of non-dunk shots, but he hasn't missed a shot in like two weeks or something. You know, stuff like that helps. Hartenstein has struggled, but I do think he's slowly getting back to being a better player than he demonstrated early this season with the Knicks. I mean, this is just a better offensive team than they've had. And this is with Deuce doing absolutely nothing and Obi missing a bunch of time and really kind of struggling at times to just find the get the ball. I mean, for, I don't even want to say like find a rhythm. It's like just get getting the ball. To him, for him, is an issue. Um, so I don't even I, I I feel comfortable saying they're not even firing on all cylinders yet. So uh, no, like we, to answer your question, uh, I don't have any buyers remorse about it because I think Jalen Brunson adds a, a another he adds a tool that they didn't have, a skill set that they didn't have, and you need diversity and skill sets to win in the NBA. You need flexibility and if we're going to be on like if we're going to be real about quickly one the probably the single characteristic that is that makes him special is his versatility and that is what allows you to go get a Jalen Brunson um and play them together and also know that if Brunson gets injured or when Brunson sits quickly can step in and run point guard I mean these are great problems to have. Shit, when is the last time the Knicks had two really good point guards Since that are twenty one? Yeah, and that and they're twenty six and younger. You know, like Brunson, you signed up a borderline all star guard for the duration of his prime years. If that's a problem for you, like I'm sorry, I just I'll never understand. I'll never agree with that because to me, the entire Jalen Brunson quickly conversation that it keeps getting presented. I'm not saying you were doing this. I know you were asking more like a hypothetical. Uh, but like it's presented as this binary. Oh, well quickly or Brunson Brunson or quickly. And it's like, no, we can have both having both is good. And like, you know, I was on the Nickish, uh, podcast yesterday. Uh, shout out. That was really fun. Um, but like, who, who's runs the Nickish podcast? Uh, they're all brown people just like us. Yeah, if you wanted to drop their hats, maybe. Uh, I actually don't have their hats. Uh, it was the first time I'd met most of, most of them. I'll, I'll no, their bio data them. either, apparently. I know. I have to get my. Uh, I'll have to get my horoscope read. Um, but like, you know, I just I feel like there's a lot of angst. Like this entire Brunson or quickly thing, kind of dives into this angst that exists where it's like, where are we going? What are the Knicks doing? What is the plan? And it's like. Look, I understand if you have issues with like individual maneuver moves they've made, maneuvers they've made, decisions they've made, but like 
how are you as a fan upset that the current state of the team is they have a 28-year-old Randall who's I think should definitely make the all-star team. Uh, a 26-year-old Brunson who could make the all-star team wouldn't be undeserving of it. Um, you have RJ Barrett, who's 22 years old. I think he's made significant offensive improvements this year. You know, I would say all three of those guys right now are locked up on contracts that are at worst market fair. value. Yeah, at worst fair. Um, and uh, quite honestly, I think all of them are. I think Brunson's a steal. I think Randall's is fair. And RJ, especially when you take into his account, is like market value, right? So he's making less than like Jordan Poole. So yeah, like I think these are good contracts. And then on top of that, the rest of your rotation is like okay, it's twenty-three-year-old Emmanuel quickly in his third year in the NBA. It's third. It's twenty-four-year-old Obi Top in his third year in the NBA. It's you know Deuce McBride who's struggling massively second year in the NBA though. Uh, it's Quentin Grimes second year in the NBA, twenty-two-year-old player. It's Jericho Sims when Mitch is out, right? He's a 24-year-old center. It's Mitch. And let's also say Sims and McBride playing pretty significant minutes for, you know, a playoff contender, um, you know, in their, as second-round picks. Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we'd like more from Deuce. Um, yeah, but, I, I, know, yeah. This, I, this yeah, is right. not a – this is – that's not like – I mean, I think his trajectory is good, like – you know, just the he just has to make shots. Oh, he has to make yeah. shots. Like it really is that simple. And and to your point, like Sims for a fifty eighth pick, like I understand he's the flaws he has, but like the fa- like to your point, like he's playing, any kind of contributor, right? Yeah, uh-huh. like to to get to get a guy like him, I think at that point in the draft is really good. Uh, Hartenstein, okay, yeah, he, you didn't draft him. He's a twenty four year old center. And Mitch, you obviously drafted before this. He predates this regime, but he's a twenty four year old center that you resigned, and like. I don't know. Like, I, and for an organization to, that gets clowned for not being able to re-sign any of their rookie picks, you know, they re-signed two. Um, hopefully, it'll be three with quickly. But like, I, I don't know. I, I do. I have issues with a variety of things, and I do. I think the organization is perfect. No, I don't. I think they've made mistakes. Um, but and like, it's worth noting also that how much the draft helps there, and as it, it's also illuminating to why they might be getting all these protected picks. Like, you know, even if they're not going to use them in a star trade, because you know people love to f- talk about the fact that you know Fournier hasn't panned out, right? Um, you know, I I, I don't want to rip the guy too much, um, but that signing hasn't panned out. The Noel, like you know, they gave out the Noel signing didn't work out. Burks was good, but they ended up having to dump him. Kemba signing, so they, people love to talk about you know these contracts that they're calling big waste of money, but and then the fact that they've given big contracts to to Randall and Brunson and RJ, but. You know, how do you make that work? Well, you make that work, you have the luxury of doing those things when you have guys on rookie deals who are playing, you know, in Quickly's case, like a plus starter. Um, in Obi's case, a solid bench player. You have all of these guys on cheap rookie deals who are contributing. You know, it makes up for the fact that you have spent a lot of money on these guys and, and it mitigates that, right? So uh, when you put it in that kind of context, a lot of this makes sense. So, Yeah, and it's just... I don't know. I just, again, like the anger about this stuff is just so weird to me because I'm, I genuinely am like watching this team and I'm like, yeah, for the most part, I'm fine with, I'm actually pretty happy, you know? Um, getting, getting back to Brunson though, a little bit. Um, so I 100% agree with you. I think the Knicks were not in a position to not sign. Like, I mean, it was, it was, first of all, they're very fortunate that um, Dallas did not take that 456 deal right um so they were very fortunate to play devil's advocate a little bit though 
you know, quickly's versatility enables this. But, um, you know, one of the things that is rare about quickly is that he is a 6'2 guy who can run the offense but isn't a defensive liability at all, is actually a plus defender. There aren't too many guys like that. And do you kind of negate that a little bit by playing him next to a guy who's a bad point of attack defender anyway, right? So, you know, most teams are vulnerable with, you know, if they have a guy like that, right? Even, I mean, Kyrie Irving is actually a pretty solid defender at this point in his career. But the Knicks were able to attack him on switches. You know, other teams will too. So by having a guy like Quickly, you can allow yourself the ability to not have to play like play someone like that to, at the point of attack. Does having Brunson kind of diminish that a little bit, right? And and if we are at some point, a, you know, a finals contender, you know, would we better be better, better off just having Quickly there and then you know using that you know that other position on like um, you know. A, a more defensive-minded two-guard, maybe like the final iteration of Quentin Grimes. I mean, ma- you can make that argument, but like Brunson is still going to have value. Like you can, like part of signing players isn't just for what they are, but it's also can you use them down the line in trade? And like I think Brunson, yeah, maybe he's not on the final iteration of this team. Maybe Quickly's not. Maybe Grimes isn't. Whatever. What's important is that in the meantime, they can all play together. And they will accrue value, and you will be able to trade them potentially for the type of piece that you ultimately need. Um, and like, that's why I just don't like all the guys that are playing minutes right now to me are not just deserving of playing minutes, but they're also guys who you have the ability to deal in a variety of situations and net value back. So I don't know. I, I just, I understand it. Like, I, was sitting here banging the drum all summer for you gotta trade Julius, we gotta trade Julius, we gotta trade Julius. But like how can you be upset that he's playing at the level he's playing at? And like also how can you be upset that the front office isn't necessarily aggressively trying to trade him at the moment either? Because I mean, if they believe that he could get back to this level then And there's uh, not nothing feels unsustainable about it. He's not even shooting thirty three percent from three. 34, maybe? I think he's shooting better than that now, but you might be right. Um, uh, he's shooting... 30, yeah, you're right. 34.3% from three. But she can probably... But the volume is higher, so th- it's fair to expect that, and I'm fine with that, by the way. Um, and he's not shooting some ungodly level from mid-range like it was. He's just taking a lot more shots at the rim and from three uh, and making better decisions. So when it's like that, right, it'd be one thing if, if this was just a replay of 2020 where he's taking a bunch of crazy shots and shooting at an unsustainably high level. Um, but, uh, but that's obviously not the case here. So I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think that they're, they're taking the right steps. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the cam thing. Um, you know, that you know, it seems like that may have been a move that was wasted, but it, it was kind of a, a low, low downside move you know they traded a heavily protected pick they'll probably get like a second back which if it's not from a great team then that's probably like 15 20 pick difference um and they got another second back anyway um so overall it's not an item consider kevin knox to be (laughs) that is funny to me that people are like kevin knox is a rotation player on the pistons and it's like dude Schwinn and I could be rotation players in the Pistons. Yeah, they're the worst team in the NBA. It's like, um, I mean, and th- this, this is the thing that drives me nuts where it's like, okay, if you wanted Jalen Duran in the draft, or you wanted Jalen Williams in the draft, you want, like, I get it. I get it. I wanted, I thought Jalen Williams would have been a really good pick. Um, and you can, you know, you can, 
me and Jeff talked about this on Strick and Roll last week, where it's like, I sometimes think about, like, the, to the point you're making, like, okay, if the Knicks had just committed to quickly a point guard and then drafted Jalen Williams and we still had Burks and, like, you know, if you want to go down that alternative scenario, yeah, I can, I can understand and see why that would be appealing and that it was maybe you can even argue with me it's a better upside play long term and it's a better situation. Fine. They would have been a lot worse this year, though. For sure. They'd have been worse this year. But more importantly, like just because the team does something that I don't want them, that I, I wouldn't have done necessarily, doesn't mean that what they did is stupid or wrong or bad. And like, I'm sorry, like, like people are hyping up Jalen Duran's numbers, and it's like, dude, like I saw hype about his game he had a couple nights ago or last week or whatever where they played the Bucks, and it's like, yeah, he put a bunch of numbers. They also gave a hundred and fifty fucking points. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Mitch fan in the entire world, but you're trying to tell me that like. That if we think, oh, well, we could have just drafted Jalen Dern and replaced Mitch and let Mitch walk. And it's like, well, one, Mitch's contract, like, looking at that, it's stupid because Mitch's cap hold was $1.8 million. Like, it didn't really affect anything we did this offseason. You know, like, we went over the cap afterwards to get Mitch. The second point is, like, do you really think that Jalen Dern right now, I, 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 and I think you liked him in the draft more than. I mean, I know you liked him more than Mark Williams, but I think he was your number one center in the in the draft. Um, I, I was really impressed with this talent. I would have, I would not have hated if the Knicks had picked him. But like, like if your if your argument is like impact right now, it's not close. It really isn't. And the idea that Duran can just wake up one day and automatically be as good as Mitch on defense to me is quite honestly pretty ridiculous because. It just undersells how good Mitch has been on defense this year, and um, I think that's a mistake. I think he's been all the numbers bear out his impact, and know? they're much better on offense with him too. <laughs> yes, he does play a lot of minutes with Randall and um, Brunson, but like his offensive rebounding is good enough to the point and the gravity that it it does make them better on offense. Even though you know he's obviously not as versatile. Um, and here's the thing, right? With Duran as well, I think Duran is going to be a good player. Let's say his ceiling is something like Robert Williams. Is in three or four years, right? Is that player that good that you would pass on the ability to get Brunson and potentially keep Mitch? You know, that's where I, or, and then, and also pass on, by the way, getting three more first round picks that should be, you know, in a range where the Knicks have found talent. That's where it becomes tough. Like, if you're saying that he's worth all that, you're probably talking about like a superstar. Um, and as good as Robert Williams is, he's not that. He's a very good player, and if the Knicks didn't have a really good center, I think you would legitimately be upset for passing on a guy like that. But they do, and you're kind of you know you're kind of starting over at that point at that position. You know, I, I think you know on one of the threads, I think it was on your account. Someone said you know you could have drafted Duran and then maybe trade Mitch down the line. You know, once Duran's ready. Fine, but you know they they would have been in a in a tough position with Brunson and um and again they, I I think people are people are like the, the Jazz didn't value the three protected first well maybe not compared to what Cleveland was willing to offer but to say that those picks have no value either whether the Knicks use them or not is I think going too far right it's not like teams just trash those picks it's just it's not going to be like ultimately if you want to start you have to give up unprotected picks the protected picks will be nice because you know they allow you to add you know ideally good talent if you can find it 
on cheap deals, right? But to say that those, you know, th those have no bearing on this is that's what people like. We didn't do that just for the cap space, right? Sorry, say it again. Like you're saying, we didn't do the trade just for the cap space. Yeah, we we got three up protected first back. Like that should be, you know, in the fifteen to thirty range. Like where the Knicks have found contributors on cheap deals, um, and where another team, like the Cavs, didn't value them maybe as highly as like three unprotected firsts in that trade, or, or as highly as what um, Cleveland gave. But that, like people are now extrapolating that 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 means that they're completely worthless. Like no, you know, <laughs> well they're not worthless. If even if you want to say they're worthless in trade, which is obviously ridiculous, but let's just go with that. I mean, one, it's kind of funny. What do you? What was Laurie Markin acquired for uh, by the Cavs? Protected first. So yeah, protected first do have value, um, but let's just go with the idea that they have no value. Let's roll with that. Even if they have no trade value, don't you think a team that is drafted? Quickly at twenty five, Grimes at twenty five, Sims at fifty eight. Uh, you know, I I don't think we can include Deuce as a hit at thirty six yet. So I'm just gonna go with those three. Why would we assume that they like wouldn't be able to use those picks to actually draft somebody good? You know, like there's value to that too. And but... by the way, they will because everyone was complaining. Well, you can't extend quickly and Obi and all. Once these guys start getting paid, they're gonna have to restock the the cheap talent. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, I, the OB thing is weird, but um, I, look, OB is he probably should be traded this offseason. I don't know if they will or not. I would assume they will, but if not, like, yeah, like, guess what? You can upgrade your roster by using the draft. Like, th this is what I feel like. You got to use these picks before. Okay, like, I agree that they should probably try to balance both, right? Like, this is why I personally would be happy to give up a protected first for somebody like Gary Trent Jr. Um, and, you know, assuming you can resign him and he wants, he's okay coming off the bench, all these things. Sure, there's other variables to it, but if you can do that, like, I'm, I'd be okay with that. But I'm also okay. Like, I don't want to give up either of the picks in this year's draft, to be quite honest. Um, I'm fine giving up any of the other protected first, but I like having the two picks in this year's draft based on what I've heard about this draft. Um, if we have a third this year because the Wizards randomly make the playoffs, okay, that's that might be an issue. Maybe we have to trade out or consolidate. But like that's the point, right? You can consolidate. Like You have options with these picks that go beyond, well, we got to trade them right now for a player today. Otherwise, there's no value to them. Like You have options. So just, you know, Relax. I, I I think there's like a rush to we need to do something. And look, if the market is telling you OG and Obi is worth like an unprotected first or two unprotected first and another protected pick and a swap or whatever the fuck it is, like I'm sorry, that just means the market is absolutely bananas and you should not be involved. Like it, the the whole notion of like oh well, if it's not this guy, then who? And if oh well, it, you just if you don't want to risk it for him, then why? What's the point of having all this stuff? It's like the point is to risk it for somebody that's worth the biscuit, you know. Uh, but <laughs> but like no, it's the it's the like if you make the like say the Knicks had made the Dejounte Murray trade, right? So what was that? It was the twenty twenty five and twenty twenty seven picks unprotected, uh, twenty twenty seven pick swap, and they gave up at that time. Uh, let's say they gave up one of the protected first. Okay. I mean, are they significantly better? I don't think so. And if they're not significantly better, 
have they hamstrung themselves their ability to improve significantly via trade down the line? Yes. Like so when you just talk about like is OG Ananobi worth X in a vacuum? Maybe he is. But there's also an opportunity cost trading for him. Like let's say you give up that 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 type of package for OG Ananobi. Does that make you a contender? I don't think so. I don't even think it makes you close to a contender. I mean, I don't think they would give up any unprotected. Right, right. But I'm well, I'm so. saying like this is the purported ask, right, that Toronto wants. It's like a Demary type of package. Which would include two unprotected. Right. Like and and I'm like I don't particularly care about trading for OG. Like I've expressed my concerns on both the basketball and kind of team chemistry level. That said, if they gave up three protected first to get OG and an OB, that's fine. Like in terms of value, that's good value. Would now, you do three when, protected? Would you would you give up OB in a deal for OG and an OB? Like not with three protected first, but you no. Know, I mean, if, that calculus figures out. I mean, if he's not going to get serious burn here, then sure. I mean, if you can use him as a make weight to make a deal happen for a player that you do that you do envision having a significant role, that makes sense. I mean, I would also. If we trade for OG, I'd really want some type of conversation to happen between the front office and Tibbs being like, hey, look, you have to play OG at the four sometimes. Like, you have to. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, if that conversation doesn't happen and that and that doesn't take place, like that OG plays at the four, then that trade is a fucking disaster to me because what you're doing is you're going to be taking minutes from Grimes. You're going to be taking minutes from quickly to give to OG. And that's a problem. Like, that's just not good management of the roster, and it's not good minutes allocation by the coach. So uh, that would be my feeling on it. So, like, And again, when defense is less of an issue than defense at the four, right? Um, so You're talking generally, or you're just talking about for the Knicks? For the Knicks, for the Knicks, right? Like, well, I think also, well, um, we don't have to get into all that, but yeah, the Knicks, you know, yesterday you saw it, right? A big part of it is, you know, if you replaced, um, you know, Obi's minutes with OG Ananobi at the four, that helps. But if you're replacing Grimes with OG Ananobi, Grimes has had a couple of bad defensive games, but that isn't going to, that's not really the most impactful result of this signing. I mean, I guess you can say Grimes would add to the bench and, you know, you know, you get some more length in the perimeter. But I think, yeah, like OG's versatility, like not using OG's versatility is, it's limiting it, you know, so. It's limiting the, the impact of that acquisition. Yeah. Um, I just, it's just, I don't know. I, I think the OG thing is just so fucking crazy to me. Like, I, I don't understand. The, the, if you just look at OG, okay, these are facts. Okay, these are just fat OG in a no. He misses a lot of time with injuries. Always has throughout his career. Okay, he's, these, this is just the last. So he after his rookie season, in college because of uh, injuries. Yeah. yeah, he had a he had an ACL right in college. Rookie yeah. year, he plays seventy four games, starts sixty two. Great. Second year in the league, plays sixty seven games, starts six, misses the entire playoffs. Twenty nineteen twenty plays sixty nine games, very nice. Uh, that was the shortened COVID year, so sixty nine of seventy two, very good. Sixty eight starts. 2020, 2021, 43 games of 72. 2021, 22, 48 of 82. This year so far has been his most durable year of late. He's played 45 of 51 games. Um, 
like this is a guy who throughout his career has missed a lot of time. And not only are you going to be you're talking about trading value for him, but then you're talking about you got to give him a new contract after next year. You are probably benching Grimes if you get not benching. Obviously, Grimes would still play, but he'd be coming off the bench. Uh, OG would replace him in the starting lineup. I'm not sure that trade off is as good as people think it is because I don't think OG is a particularly good. Like I don't think what makes him a good defender is that he's a good point of attack defender. That's not how I'd want to use OG anyway. Um, which would mean RJ is the fan point of attack. I don't. It's it's just all very weird. And I just you know to your point, like it, this is probably a situation where if you had quickly as your starting point guard instead of Brunson, this would be much less of like a thing you have to consider. Because I think you could pretty easily just have quickly be the point of attack guy, and yeah, he's not as good as Grimes at it, but he's pretty okay. Um, but obviously, if you have Brunson, you got to work around that. So to me, Grimes is the better fit defensively and offensively. I don't think it's close. Um, and maybe this is where we can talk about it because, like, OG is a pretty decent shooter. He shot thirty six point six percent from three this year, thirty seven percent for his career. Uh, Grimes. This year is at uh, 35.8% for the season. He's at 36.9% for his career. Obviously, he hasn't played nearly as much as OG. Um, but, like, uh, Grimes is a very low usage guy right now, as things stand, because he's the, what, fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup. Um, I feel like he's. You know, as you mentioned, he's working through some things as far as knowing when to pull the trigger on a catch and shoot jumper and then when to attack a closeout. So he's trying to find that that balance. But like he also needs a floater, by the way. They're starting to sit on that pass, right? The dump off. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he's but like if you just look at just looking at this season. Okay. If you get OG he's effectively replacing Grimes, right? So he's going to play the Grimes role, which is fourth option. So his usage comes down to what Grimes is, and I'm not particularly sold that he's of super value add in that in that role, um, offensively anyway. I think he adds to the clunkiness. I think he's a much slower decision maker than Grimes, and I don't think he's as good of a passer as Grimes either. I mean, he's got a lower assist percentage than Grimes, and he's on 20 and a half usage to Grimes' 14. That's not great. Like, that's pretty fucking bad, actually, and really worrisome. Um, yeah, he's a monster stocks guy, steals and blocks, right? But, I mean, the defense has not been the issue for this team, especially when Mitch is healthy with Grimes' starting lineup. It's been that they get into some really bad and stagnant offensive sequences. And, like, I just think OG adds to that. Whereas Grimes, yeah, he's working through things. Like you mentioned, I do think he needs, maybe it doesn't even need to necessarily be a floater, right? It could just be a pull up mid range jumper because he is a really good shooter. Like it, it, but it has to be, he has to have some in between game. Um, and that next game, look, he, he clearly, I don't know what's going on with him sometimes on these threes, but it's like, I don't care if he misses 15 in a row. I want him pulling on all those things. And if he's going to put the ball on the deck, he doesn't need to like sprint as fast as he can to get to the rim. Sometimes like there's value in a slower approach, patience, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I, I just he's going through a little bit of a struggle right now. He's also a second year player. Like I think he, is, and he's never played this many minutes, right? So mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think he's um, that's probably affecting his jumper a little bit. That's probably I think the All Star break probably will be a welcome time for him. Um, so um, oh, you don't think he's going to make the All Star team? <laughs> you never know. Uh, he's not going to do the three point shootout. I guess that would be the thing that uh, that would are, are they still doing the three point shootout or they changed they, they added something right? They changed something. Yeah, I think they changed. No, I think the three, the three point shootout's still there. The Pro Bowl is flag football now, right? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, the very, very uh, prestigious and serious Pro Bowl. Yeah, that uh, that you can only go to if uh, you don't make the Super Bowl. Yes. Um, so, just a reminder, to everyone, that means no Eagles will be in the Pro Bowl this year because they're in the Super Bowl. Um, on um, you know, but so we're talking about OG. So you would you say that? Okay, on on equal cost, I imagine you'd prefer getting OG to um to Gary Trent, right? I would prefer OG to Trent if the cost is the same, you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um but it sounds like given the cost, Trent is more of a, a target that you want. Um Jeremy Cohen, um shout out Jeremy Cohen, uh resident Nick's Twitter cap guru, um had an article drop on the Strickland, which you should check out. Uh, you should check out all of his work. But uh it was a really good article. Um, and you know, his big, big part of his assumption and why he specifically said, you know, Gary Trent Jr. is not a guy he's suggesting is that the Knicks want to be uh, flexible for 2024 free agency. Uh, what's kind of your view on that? Um, I think I know in terms of, um, I think Jalen Brown will be a restricted free agent. Um, but, um, you know, do you think that that free agent class is worth it? Do you think that, you know, maybe Jeremy's reading a little bit too much into that? Um, to the extent that that it would, you know, they would pass on getting a guy like Trent. But how, how does that shape your thinking in terms of uh, who they might target? I mean, I read Jeremy's article. I mostly agree with it. I, I have a hard time. I don't know. I mean, I, I think Eric Gordon is a serious option for them, um, which I don't totally hate. Like, I think he's fine as a stopgap and. I would be okay acquiring him if the cost is relatively reasonable slash cheap. Um, but I, look again, it's just hard because it feels like because of the plan, nobody really wants to go into seller mode. Which personally, I think could be a mistake. Like, I, if you are willing to become a seller, you might end up getting a lot more value than you would. Um, in the pre, especially in the Danny Ainge era, right? yeah, that that, and it's also the pre plan era because I think the plan is made, it's extended it right so that more teams feel like they can do something this year. Um, especially teams that just want to sell more tickets, you know, so yeah, I, so I don't, I mean, there's, I feel like we've talked about everybody that could be reasonable. I mean, OGs out there, obviously Gary Trent Jr., Jalen McDaniels. Maybe Malik Beasley, who I've actually cooled a bit on. I think he had a re- he had a really good start to the year. He's cooled off a lot. And do you think his defense might- is a little overrated? Malik Beasley, yeah. Is his defense like graded? I mean, I feel like yeah. I feel like he's thought of as like a good three and D guy. Like, I, think- I mean, I don't think his defense is good. So if yeah. if people think his defense is good, that that's a mistake. Uh, I mean, again, we've talked about Gordon Hayward. We've talked about really. I mean, for me, Gordon Hayward the. Deal, the the goal would be to get 
McDaniels from them. Um, I would actually, I don't, I mean, OG's a way better player, but I'd really like a guy like Jalen McDaniels. Um, there is another name who the Knicks were interested in before the draft who has horrible on-off numbers this year. Um, and we're going to talk about him, but before we do, I do have to make an announcement. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 in the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. Ha! See show notes for details. Uh, I like pass protection. Yep. Pass protection, winning ball games against Michigan, um, making a Super Bowl. Not none of those things are allowed in the state of Ohio. Um, yeah, no. Look, you were talking about a guy, and that guy is Bones Highland, um, who is reportedly readily available on the trade market for a first round pick. The Knicks obviously have protected first round picks. Um, I will say this, and I'll let you kind of do your thing, because I know Bones is your guy. If the Knicks traded a protected first-round pick for Bones Highland, I would have very little issue with that. I would say that if they do that, I think you should be 100% prepared for Bones Highland to not be playing minutes, because I don't think Tibbs is going to put him in the rotation immediately. And I think he would have to do a lot to earn Tibbs's trust so you think it could be another Cam Reddish situation? I, I think it could be. The advantage is you have two years left on his rookie contract after this one, not just one. Um, so you'd have more time. And that 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 should matter as part of the equation. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but I will say, I think uh, if you dig through his on-off data, on-court data, uh, it might this shock year, people. This to year it's bad. Last year it was not that bad, but yeah. Yeah, it was, it was last year. Yeah, last year wasn't that bad. I do think it's it's a little bit worrying that with a bigger role, he's become a much more destructive player. Because I do think, like to me, he's never been a quickly where. And I what I mean by that is, I don't think he's a guy who projects to be. I mean, even quickly didn't really project to be like the level of defender he's become. Um, but like I don't see that with Bones at all from what I've watched when I see him. And I mean that in the sense of like I don't think he's focused on that and I don't think he has the physicality in the way that quickly does. Uh I don't feel that he has the instincts quickly does. And I'm not sure that he has significant off ball utility. Not to say that he can't be a catch-and-shoot guy, but I do think a lot of his value and upside and like what you're hoping for with him is to get a guy who can be a, an on-ball creator to an extent. 
and it was worrying to me that the team has sucked so much. And he, you know, not to, not that his efficiency, his individual efficiency is actually pretty okay. Uh, he was fifty five point eight true shooting last year, fifty four point two. 54.2 true shooting this year. He's shooting very well from three still. Uh, 38%, 37.9% from three on 5.9 attempts per game in just under 20 minutes. He's got an About EFG. half of them are pull-ups, by the way. So Yep. And he's got an EFG of 50.6. So, like, his individual numbers are fine. It is really worrying to me, though, that as his role has increased and his kind of the latitude that he is afforded in his role that the team has cratered in those minutes. Um, so those are my broad thoughts on Bones. I do think, like, if you're getting him, you need to be prepared for, one, that he's not going to play a lot or at all maybe this year, and two, that you're going to have to, I don't want to say rewire or reprogram him, but you're going to have to really put the work in to get him to a better place where he fits in in, like, you know, five-man lineups and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a few things um, I'd want to touch on. So number one, with the on-off stats, it's worth noting that that team specifically, any bench player is going to look awful uh, in terms of on-off because um, you are you're playing your minutes. You you know that comparison is coming against minutes where arguably the best player in the league is playing, statistically one the most impactful player. And uh, one one other thing to note, and to your, to your point very specifically, and just kind of like in his favor, last year he played 51% of his minutes at point, 46% of his minutes at the two, and 4% of his minutes at the three. This year it's 96% at point, 4% at the two. Uh, so he's basically just, just a point guard now. And we know that like point guards can have outsized impact on team success when they're on the floor. Um, and if they're struggling, that fucks up the entire team. Right, so there is something to be said of like, well, if you get bones, you play him with quickly. You know, does that help him, and does that change a lot of shit? Like, does that simplify the game for him? Really? Yeah, and um, and if you look at you know the the opponent, like opponents are shooting thirty eight percent from three when bones is on there. I don't have the attempt difference, but um, you know, you would expect a little bit of that is going to be luck, right? Um. So why I'd be in on this, so I do think, um, you know, the, the difference between, so uh, Jeff, Jeff Rasmussen asked me this on Twitter and he was like, you know, I don't get why you like Bones so much. I don't realize why, I don't think people like who compare quickly to him, like get it. And um, I think that the comparisons really started, if you looked at Bones in college, and even his first year and Quickly's rookie year, on offense, they were very similar players. But the pull-up shooting, um, you know, the kind of razzle dazzle with the, the ball handling quickly has evolved and, and Bones has evolved. I think Bones is actually a little bit more creative around the hoop. He doesn't have the, the in between game that quickly does. Um, I do think he's actually a little bit even a better passer. Um, quickly is a very good passer, but I think Bones is, is more likely to make some of the spectacular passes, whereas quickly is just going to make the right pass. He's not going to miss too many reads, but. Um, you know, I, I think Bones, I think on offense, I think Bones does have a higher ceiling. Um, and their offensive rating with Bones on the floor is still 114. Um, and even if you take Jokic, if you go, if you look at Bones with Jokic off the floor, um, you know, they, th that and the offensive rating goes down to 108. But, you know, they, 
he's not debilitating to an offense. You'd ideally like him out there with another shooter. Um, and when he shares the floor with Nikola Jokic, you know, the, the rating's positive. I don't look at this as a game-changing acquisition, but if you can get him for first and like Cam, what you're getting is, one, a guy who adds shooting to a team that still needs it. Um, you're adding creation to a team that can use it. Um, and I do like the upside on defense a lot more than you do. Uh, I liked him a lot as a defender in college. I thought he was underrated. Um, he specifically, I think where we disagree is kind of the instinct part because, you know, in college, he was one of those defenders. It's very rare to see from young players quickly has developed this in the NBA, but the ability to bait and, and the, to bait passes and, and to kind of mess with people's breeds. And he's got, he's a six ten wingspan guy. Uh, I think one issue is he did not put on weight between his rookie and sophomore year, which is a problem, which quickly did. He um, might just not be able to put on weight, to be honest. Because everything I've read about him is... I, I do have some concerns about, like... I don't want to say mentality. That's not the right word. Um, so I you, feel like his... Is that dog in him? No, no. I actually don't think that's his problem. I almost feel like he's he's very brash. And that can be a good thing. But I also wonder if that's like a thing where he doesn't necessarily listen to advice that maybe he should listen to. Like I have no, to be very clear, I have no like. This is not intel. This is just like when I watched him play, and you know, I read obviously that one of the reasons why they're even considering shopping him is that him and Malone have you know, uh, yeah, they've butted heads. So like, I don't think he's like. But, but anyway, my point was, I don't know. I don't think it's about his work ethic because everything I've read is that he works hard. Um I do think maybe he just can't put on weight. Like I mean, that was a concern with him coming into the draft, right? Was that he just well, maybe quickly have the same concerns, right? And yeah. we've seen that he's put on weight. So the difference I will say, and last thing I'm gonna quickly has always had like his lower like if you look at his legs, right? He's got like tree trunks. He's like always had a strong lower body. Um Bones is very like Jamal Crawford ask lower body, which is to say, uh, let's say that his his uh, muscle mass lower body might not be too unfavorable to mine, uh, which isn't saying much. But like he he's not he doesn't have that same like you see this with quickly and you see this with Grimes, right? Both those guys are fucking absolute like they're just got tree trunks and, and bones, yeah, and bones is very like they call him bones for a reason. So yeah. Yeah, no, so that that's a fair point. And, um, you know, and it, it also might be a case where, you know, to your point, right, more on the defensive side than the offense, uh, he might be struggling more on defense this year because, you know, he might be better off in an off-ball role where he can use his wingspan. I do think his ability to diagnose and get into passing lanes is pretty good. Um, I haven't looked at his steal rate this year. In college, despite the fact that he was, you know, he did have issues on ball, he was a high stocks guy. And, um, and, you know, so what you just mentioned with Malone could be, you know, a worrisome thing because he's going to another, you know, Tibbs, Malone, they're different coaches, but Tibbs is also kind of a guy who's not going to be always, he's not going to coddle rookies, right? He's not going to coddle young players. Uh, a guy that quickly has really responded to that. Will Bones respond the same way? I don't know. But if you're trying to coach him up on defense, I think the tools are there, particularly if he's going to play off ball more. And, um, you know, that, that's a, and then if you got a guy who's like, you know, um, you know, I mean, people love like Tyrese Halliburton is skinny and he's not a good um, on ball defender at all. 
but you know, you know, he's able to add some value with his off-ball uh, stocks. You know, Highland's got a 1.7 steal percentage, pretty solid. Uh, you know, does a good job using his length. You coach him up with Tibbs and deploy him more off ball, let quickly and Grimes handle the point of attack. Uh, and then, you know, you get him to neutral on defense. I mean, his, his on ball is, is shooting. He's a really talented shooter, you know, deep range. I mean, we see what that does, you know, when you can set the screens closer to half court. You know, that's, that's really what we need against teams like the Raptors or even the Celtics when they're going to try to really crowd a guy like Brunson on, on screens. You want to set those closer to half court. He's got the playmaking ability. I think he would fit really well next to Quickly because I am higher on his off-ball movement than you. Uh, and I also think Quickly can do both those things. Uh, I think that's a really, like, that level, I mean, per, per 36, he's averaging 22 points per game. He's averaging 30 points per 100 possessions. Um, you know, 7.4 assists per 100 possessions. Like, he's a really talented offensive player. That's a I think very interesting upside swing. And he's got the length, I think, to one day be an impact defender. And and I just think that he's the kind of guy that um you and we'll see. Like maybe maybe to your point, you, you can't coach him up on defense. This is just who he's gonna be. He's gonna be a, he's a fun a really, bench player. He's just really wild on the court. And like that's not it's 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 like what is potentially special about him is like, you know, you'll get these stretches, right, where he hits four threes in a row. And he ha- and and it, it it does it is a credit to him and it, this is again this is like one of those things you have to harness with the young players to have the like confidence almost an arrogance about yourself to be able to be willing to take that many shots and like to take those shots in a row that's not nothing that actually matters like that that's important that's that's like a that's a skill in and of itself. Um, and sometimes that can be detrimental if you're like Dion Waiters, um, but like if you can get that together in combination with better overall decision making, that that can be you know super valuable. But like he is so wild on both ends of the floor. Um, like getting a guy like that to take his skill set and then sublimate it within the team concept while still maximizing what he gives you and still giving him that kind of like freedom to be the type of player you need him to be to, you know, like you still need bones to be bones, right? You can't, you can't get bones and be like, okay, go be fucking Kyle Lowry now, or like go be Monty Morris, right? Like just be a table setter and take like three quite high quality shots on kick out. Like, no, no, if you're getting bones, you need to have a plan to help Bones become the best version of himself, not to change who he is as a player. Um, and I think, like, like, do I think the Knicks are in a position to do that? Do they have the right coach to do that? Do they have the right infrastructure? Are they in a good organizational position to make that bet? Um, I don't know. I, I It's it's pretty interesting. Like, you, you're right. Because like, he is, he does have a long wingspan. Um, it's not his competitive... It's not his competitiveness on defense that I think is the issue. It's I think he's gambling a lot, and I think he's out of position a lot. And like a lot of young players, he loses focus off the ball, right? Like it's it's these are not like abnormal things. It's always it's but it's always a projection. Like we can you can always bet that a young player will improve at those things, but how much is he going to improve? Right? Is he going to just become less bad? Or will he become actually good or neutral at least? Like it's it's hard. And I so this is where like is trading the protected 
fucking, I don't know, the Washington pick we have for Bones. Is that a bad trade? I don't think so. Uh, I think that's a reasonable one. I, I really, like, I think the bet you're making, at least for this year, would be if you want him to play, is like, would he be able to step in for Deuce McBride right now? And next to quickly in that bench group, at least, is that a group that, like, does he benefit the that, that lineup? It's possible. I think it's very possible, um, given his usage. And yeah, I, like, you're right. Like, I, it, to some extent, as a shooter, it's so weird, right? Because Quickly's development has been really weird where he's like came in as kind of a similar crazy shooter and now he's just like, no, I'm actually just the greatest two-point scorer of all time now. Um, whereas Bones is still like, he's just a fucking, he's out there. Dude, he's pulling up from like thirty. Feet. Yeah, but and maybe that's what I'm thinking is also Denver likes to play at a fast pace, right? Um, you know they like to get in transition. Do you think he can benefit? You know, and you know we have talked a lot. We have both been critical of how Tibbs handles the young players, but we've both admitted that they develop. I think it's fair to wonder: does quickly turn into this level of defender if he does go to another coach? Uh, I don't know if that is it, was that a question or is that a rhetorical question. Both. I mean, if you have thoughts on it, yeah, definitely interested to hear. I, I think, I think he would have, man. I just think that that kid is like special. Um, he, but I, he just goes above and beyond. Like, he, he, I thought, like, I know that. I think we've disagreed on this. Where, like, I didn't think he obviously quickly was not this good defensively as a rookie. But even as a rookie, you would see flashes of like. He was a smart like, player. Yeah, yeah he's a, he's a smart player. This is the thing. I forgot. Man, I really forgot who tweeted this out. Might be Mike Gribanov or somebody, and they posted something about Quickly's on-off and how he'd been. They're like, "Wow, I didn't realize he ranked so high over the last three years." And somebody responded to them and was like, "Look, I know we talked about him pre-draft, but one of the reasons I I like really liked him as a prospect was he's just really smart." And I think Fred Katz tweeted this last week about how Quickly like remembers plays just on like still pictures, like he has like a photographic memory. And I think that his read, right? Yeah, like that's Ed Reed like, who had that. Yeah, it wasn't. Ed Reed has that one story that like Belichick loves telling, where he like baited Peyton, like he knew that Peyton would make a certain read if he went one way, and then he went that way. It, it was just like a. Re- it's a really funny story, um, and like Belichick's telling it, and it's just so funny because Belichick would like never say anything positive about Brady. But you'd have him talk about like Ed Reed, and he's like gushing like a four-year-old <laughs> child about him. Um, but, but like to go back, like yeah, I, I just think quickly is. I think he would have figured it out, and maybe the impact wouldn't be there because, to Tim's credit, one of the advantages of his scheme is that like if, if you have a guy that's consistently, you know, if if you if a guy knows his role in the system and is consistently executing it, that impact is going to bear out over time, probably. Um, obviously he's become, I think he, he's playing above the scheme now. I think he's doing more than just like what his role is. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think, I think quick would have figured it out, but yeah, sorry, go ahead with the, I, I understand where you're going with this with bones though. Yeah. So I think that I do wonder if like, if the whole point is you need to rein him in a little bit, what better coach than Tom Thibodeau, right? And, um, and you know, you, you, to your point that you have to let bones be bones. You know, he's been. He did, didn't Crawford played for the Bulls at one point, right? Crawford um, played for him in Minnesota. Crawford played for him in Minnesota. Um, you know, and he coach, led Jamal B. Jamal. Led Jamal B. <laughs> Jamal. I mean, Nate Robinson has played for him. Derek Rose is obviously a very downhill guy. 
he's I mean, you've seen the aggressiveness start to come back to quickly. And as much as it probably drives Tibbs nuts sometimes I know it drives um Mike Breen nuts when quickly takes those two for ones. Um uh, he lets him do that, right? Um probably because he gives him so much overall. But um, you know, I think Tibbs might be the right coach to help Bones find that balance. You know, and if you help him find that, you know, the, the potential is, is really enticing. Yeah, I mean, I think so the like okay, we can use Cam as kind of an example here. I actually think Tibbs benefited Cam. I just don't know if Cam realized it or was happy about like what he was being asked to do. So the question you got to ask yourself with somebody like Bones is, and I, I, I don't think I don't have any way of knowing this. You don't have any way of knowing this. Maybe you do. Maybe you have sources in Denver. I don't know. Um, but like, not for not for basketball. Info. <laughs> uh, but like, is is Bones going to be willing to? Because look, let's let's put the cards on the table. If Bones comes here, right, and let's say that he does immediately supplant McBride in the rotation, he's still going to be playing the McBride role. You know what I mean? He's not going to come in, and Tibbs isn't going to be like, okay, now now you run point half the time and quick will run point. No, it's still going to be the like he has to play the McBride role, right? Will he be happy and willing to play that role, which is nominally a significant off-ball role, right? You don't get a, he's not going to get a bunch of on-ball reps because he's going to be playing with Quick. He's going to play with RJ. And we know how Tibbs works. You've got to earn his trust to get those on-ball reps, right? Like, like it took quickly a lot. It took him three years. It took injuries to Jalen Brunson and RJ and God knows how many people, but it takes a lot. And you have to work for them. Will Bones be okay with that? And will he be able to be effective in the interim time? I don't know. Um, I I do think. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I think that to that point, the two things I would say is one, I think McBride actually, especially before when you first started playing, you were even complaining about this that he was used quite a bit on ball, even with quickly there. Uh, like well, he's using him on ball just to like bring the ball up, but then swing it to quickly or RJ. It's really weird. I don't understand it. I mean, I think that I think that there is probably more latitude for Deuce to do more, and he's been he's been more aggressive of late. You've been seeing him attack. You know, he had that dunk attempt on Nick Claxton. I don't know what uh, he was thinking, man. That was crazy. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? Barnyani. Um, <laughs> Less tragic, like, but yes. <laughs> and, but but Barnyani actually got two free throws. Um, but um, it was a bad call. But um, you know, I think that there is some leeway there. I think Bones probably just by nature of who he is and how he plays would be more aggressive. Um, and I think he's just a much better offensive player than Cam. Um, I don't think it's particularly close. Bones? Um, yeah, Bones. The upside is way more just because of his twitch. No, but he's he's like, he's shooting 39% from three, 38. Cam hasn't shot that for a season at all. He's done that over two seasons. Oh, no, I believe as a, as a shooter for sure. I'm just saying like overall, the overall scoring package, like it's way... I mean, more. he's more efficient and, yeah. and like he's a better passer than Cam. So like I'm still taking the overall well, offensive package. Well, he passes. So that's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cam had a couple of nice ones. I mean, I, I do think Cam improved and I, I'm excited. I think that he'll thrive if he goes somewhere and buys in. And I think that could have been here. Um, but the other thing I'll mention is, so I think that one... I do think Bones would probably be a higher usage version of that um, that role. Um, and two, I would say that um, you know, in terms of the work ethic and all of that, you know, he's had good um, you know good stories. But this is a guy who you know, for those who don't know the story, 
But Bones was, I think, a junior in high school, right when scholarship offers and everything are coming in. Um, he actually was in a burning building, um, and he lost, I think, his grandmother and his cousin in that fire. And he had to jump out of a second-story building uh, and land on his foot. He bro- broke his leg, again, during obviously the most important time for scholarship offers. Um, I think he had he was actually recruited to um, to Michigan. That's probably first heard of him as a recruit and you know, Bones Highland in a in a um, in a beeline offense. And then the year after, he would have played with Franz and, and on that great Michigan team. So what if? But I think there were some admissions issues. But um, but he worked from back from all. Juwan could Juwan could unlock him. I mean that team. If you if you put him next to Franz and Dickinson and all those guys on that team, they win the title. Um, but, um, you know, he, he didn't work out, but, um, but he came back from all that was a star at VCU, uh, got to the first round. So I don't think this is a guy who crumbles or, or necessarily has a bad attitude in the face of adversaries, adversity, adversity. Um, so that's definitely, but to your point, there's only, the only people who can know that are the people who are getting paid to, to make those determinations every day. And, you know, we can't make those from far. Yeah. I mean, look, I do think it's tantalizing to think of like, there's like an upside argument, right? Like, and not just his upside. Like, I think him would quickly would be because one of the things Bones still really he fucking and they're good sucks. friends, by the way. Yeah. So to yeah. the extent he, that quickly is part of the future, that's not a bad thing. Right. Bones absolutely fucking sucks right now, scoring inside the arc, like terrible. He's shooting thirty six percent on drives um, from two point range this year. He's shooting forty two point seven percent. Which is worse than quickly did last year. So that and it's it's not the trajectory you necessarily want to see, where he was forty six and a half percent from two the year before, forty two point seven percent this year. Maybe he closes the season better. He is taking more twos this year. He's also just taking more shots this year, uh, which I think that might be part of Mike Malone's issue with him at the moment. Uh, but like, you think about what... he is shooting sixty four percent at the rim. For what it's worth. Yeah. So I think things like the layup and finishing is there. It's just he has no mid range game. So. Yeah. And I, I just, you do, but you do think like, okay, man, what if you put this guy next to quickly and you can help cover up some of his defensive issues? Like, what is the offensive upside of those two guys together off the bench? And we know this organization, um, right? We know that this organization likes their combo guards. They like their guy. They, they liked like Bones. Bones a lot before the yeah. draft, by the way. Yeah, so. Bones. Bones. I think they met with him a few times. Um, he fits the profile that they have like coming out of the draft traditionally in terms of pull-up shooting ability, high free throw percentage, just all the all the good shooting kind of indicators that you want to see as a college player. Bones had all that stuff, and um, yeah, like so. At, is it something they would do? It's not, it's not inconceivable. Uh, you know, the guy. But I also don't think they would get into a bidding war over so. Well, I don't think it would require a bidding war. Like, that's the thing. It's like, ultimately, what is his value right now? Nobody's going to, you're not going to get, if you're actually considered trading him, you're not going to get more than a protected first for him. Like, you're just not. He you're hasn't done Cam there. That Cam and a protected first or even that, you think would be too much. I mean, I would do that. I'm assuming part of the reason they'd want to do this, though, is to shave money off their luxury tax bill, as uh, our good friend Jeremy pointed out to me when I just talked to him about this earlier today. Uh, so, I mean, they, I, the Nuggets. 
yeah, so I don't know if that would work. You would need to take on another salary. I don't know what the hell their cap sheet looks like off the top of my head. Um, and no, I do not want Michael Porter Jr. anywhere near this team. Uh, <laughs> but they're going to catch COVID from him. God, he sucks. I hate him. Uh, but like, look, I, is it a trade I would make? Probably not. Is it a trade if the Knicks made it? I would hate it. No. I think, you know, I do, to your point, like, if you believed in the talent at the draft, what have you seen from him so far that would move you off of what you believed at that time? And, you know, the defensive on-off, on-court stuff this year is concerning. Not just defensive, but just both sides, like, just kind of the way he's playing. But he had a good rookie season. I mean, there's a reason people, like, there's a reason why after his rookie season, the Nuggets decided we are going to trade Monty Morris to open up the backup point guard minutes for you, right? Like, that was part of their decision-making. So maybe they fucked up doing that. Maybe they jumped the gun giving him that point guard slot. And if anything, you know, I'm sure the one-and-a-half uh, Tibbs, big Tibbs fans that were that will be listening to this, if anything, like may, maybe this lends credence to Tibbs' approach quickly where he didn't want to put him in that position right away, even after his rookie season. Um, you know, maybe this is too much, too fast for, for Bones, and they fucked up and they made a wrong decision there. But, like, you know, it's have you seen enough to move you off of your original view of him at the draft, right? That's really the question I think the Knicks would have to, and any team that would be interested in, in trading for him would have to ask themselves. You know, are his struggles this year down to him, or is it down to an issue with the role that he's being asked to play and how he's adapted to it? And yeah. if we can put him in a better role, how does he operate that? Does he take the leap that? You no, know, I think before the season, a lot of people thought Bones would take a leap because, like, he did have a good rookie season. So I don't know. There's a lot to really unpack with him, and he's an interesting player. Like, you can't can't deny like. A guy that has the explosive scoring kind of flashes that he has is no joke. Yeah, and and I think that um, I think this environment would benefit him. Um, another, while we're on quickly, we, we probably should move off the subject. But while we're on quickly, want to shout out a tweet I just saw that, and now I'm curious your thoughts here. So, friend of the pod Joseph Flynn said he wouldn't trade o- uh, quickly for OG and an OB straight up. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, I wouldn't. Not even straight up. No. And uh, and actually, Jeff posted on that. You know, the on-off numbers aren't that great for for OG either. Now he's on a good team. Um, but um, but, but yeah. he play and he plays with their like the thing with Quick is like I I honestly sometimes think the on-off even on court on-off stuff it, it undersells it. because like the guy you just look at his lineup pages like. He's basically just a positive with anybody you pair him with over the course of his career. And it's been three years now, right? They yeah. usually say RAPM takes three years to, to stabilize. Like, we're at that point now. I and think he's like top 10 or something in RAPM or something. Like, top 10 I, RPM in the last three years. He, I think, third best plus minus on that tweet or whatever that you were mentioning. I think it was yeah. IQ for three who posted it originally. But yeah. Yeah, it's. I just. And then, like, look, especially this season, he's. The bench hasn't been really good aside from him. And even with that, in spite of that, 
he's like dragging the team to competency in those minutes when he's on the floor with them. And it's like he's a plus. Like Brunson's not a plus without him. You know, he has a plus net rating without Brunson, Mitch, or, or RJ or Randall on the floor. So all so if when four of the five starting guys are not on the floor, but quickly is on, the team still hasn't. It's like well, that's because like he got to play with Cam. So those are good. <laughs> but they're like a plus four point eight net rating, which is good. Like that's like a good net rating for for a group. So. Yeah, I got. I look. OG's good. Maybe I'm underselling him. I don't know. My my thinking though is like, when you're talking about trading for a non-star, like if you're gonna trade that type of value, it should be a team like, just let's say let's say Boston thought OG was the missing piece for them to like. Man, if we get OG, we feel like we are like nobody can beat us. If that's how you feel, it should then then. For a contender, it's probably worth doing. But we're not a contender, and he's not going to push us to the... He's not a player who pushes you to, like, from, like, first-round exit to contender, right? The guys that do that are stars, like, real, genuine stars. And that's who the Knicks need to be saving their powder for. Uh, so, like, if if you think OG helps acquire a star maybe down the line as kind of, like, the headline player asset or something, or... If you get OG, that will free you up to trade RJ as the headline player asset for the star that you think ultimately you need to get. Um, okay, fine, do it. But I, but you like you need to be able to get that guy. You need to be able to get OG in without giving up the type of shit that you'd need to to put together that true star package. Yeah, that's uh, that pretty much hits the nail on the head. Um, did want to kind of so we talked a little bit about Quentin Grimes. Um, we talked, um, you know, I, I think that we're both kind of on the same page. You know, probably a little bit of combination of fatigue, a little bit of combination of trying to figure out the balance between attacking closeouts. Um, you know, we did we mentioned a little bit before. You know, Brunson's playmaking. He's had some tunnel vision of late a little bit. Um, did you think this has been an issue all season and it's just more noticeable now, or do you think he's progressed a little bit there? Um, you know, I, I, it doesn't, it seemed like early in the season, he's making a lot better reads. You know, he's always going to kind of miss some of those open threes when he has a good mid range shot. But, um, you know, do you think, um, you know, are you worried at all at this point or do you think it's just minor stuff? Um, feels like he's veered a little bit. Too, too much towards hunting for his own shot, more so than he was to start the year. I actually thought at the start of the year he had these interesting stretches to start games where he was almost like looking to set up Julius and RJ uh, before he got himself going. Felt like the second quarter was his time, but that's not as much been the case lately. I don't know if it's a bad thing. Like he is a scorer first, which is why. You know, like we talked about with Bones, right? You got to let Bones be Bones. You got to let Brunson be Brunson. He's a scorer. That's what he is at his core. So I don't have a huge problem with him looking to get buckets early in the game. I just have an issue when, like, the the pace of it at times. And I think there's still too many possessions where he comes down and it's like pound, 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 pound. Maybe you take, maybe he swings the ball once. Oh, and gets it back, or he doesn't swing the ball at all, and like those zero, one, two pass possessions are killers. They're killers, and it's and and I do think when he does that, it it kind of like 
sets the tone for a guy like Randall at times or RJ at times where they're like, oh, I haven't touched the ball for two, three possessions. I want to get my shot up when I get it, right? Um, so I would say like that is probably my biggest concern with it, but I don't think it's a super huge long-term issue, at least not in the sense of like, I don't think it's as big of a problem as a lot of people think. I I buy that you can use it more effectively than we are in a different system that emphasizes um, ball and player movement a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Um, and um, yeah, so I mean, do you have kind of a prediction in terms of what you expect the Knicks to do at the deadline? Yeah, and like how you know what it's going to look like going forward. Uh, I think that they look. I think they're going to dump Cam at some point. I'm not that worried about that. Will they actually add somebody to the mix? I don't know. I mean, they have done that the last two years, right? They added Rose in 2020-21. They added Cam last year. Obviously, that hasn't panned out the way they probably hoped. Will they add somebody again this year? I gun to my head, I would say. Yes, but it would not surprise me if they were just like they if they they might even want to, but they might not think the value is appropriate, and maybe that's something that they revisit again in the off season. But like as things stand, I think they will make one move. Who will it be? I don't know. Maybe it's I think Eric Gordon's a strong possibility just because contract makes a lot of sense for what they ideally are trying to do, which is it seems is be a cap space team in twenty twenty four. Um do you, do you have any thoughts about who they would be targeting? Because the UFA list isn't particularly enticing. I don't know. Um, I haven't even looked at it to be honest. I, I just I like I hate how much of a focus is constantly on transactions. Like, I think this team is fun. Uh, they have a lot of young talent. We've talked about quickly a ton on here. We've talked about RJ's improvement, and I wish we could focus more on those things and talk about that than like feels like so much discourse is about, oh, the Knicks got to trade for this guy. They should trade for this one. They should trade. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care about OG Ananobi. Is that okay? Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to not give a fuck about this fucking guy who's never made an all-star team, will never make an all-star team, and whose main, you know, fucking positive attribute seems to be that Masai Ujiri, the most overrated fucking GM outside of Danny Ainge, drafted him? I don't know. Uh, apparently, I have to have an opinion on this, and it's like, whoa, you don't want to trade stuff for OG? You just want to hoard all the picks? It's like, no, I don't want to hoard all the picks. I just don't really give a shit about OG and Obi, and I don't view him as a star. I don't want to give up a star package for him. And if that offends you, you can go fuck yourself. Like, I don't know. I just don't care about OG and Obi. He's a fucking guy. He's a jag, as far as I'm concerned. He's like a decent player, but we're talking about a 3 and D guy who can't put the ball on the floor, who can't pass for shit, who is arguably one of the most boring players. Go watch his fucking House of Highlights shit. It's like watching, like, really? You want to go watch, like, six-foot-eight Jack Courtney Lee play ball? Get the fuck out of here. Like, it, he's, I'm sorry. Nothing about his game excites me. I have a lot more fun watching a guy like Emmanuel Quickly on our team. I have a lot more fun thinking about, like, well, if Quentin Grimes can do this shit right now, what can he do in a year? What can he do in two years? Uh, I, I, I don't even follow the draft, but I would have, I'd have a lot more fun Thinking about like, fuck getting OG Ananobi in a trade. What about drafting a, a guy like OG ourselves and drafting and developing him and gradually introducing him t- into our rotation? Like, that excites me a lot more than trading for this fucking guy who has magically become this 
supreme prized asset because God knows why. I have no clue why. I don't know how it happened. I don't care how it happened. I don't give a fuck about him. I don't give a fuck about the Raptors. Uh, and if the Raptors are so amazing, I would love to know why they're 23 and 28. Doesn't really make much sense to me, but apparently all their players are worth 17 first round picks. Uh, and they're all wonderful and they are all winning players, even though they can't fucking win shit this year. Um, so yeah, that's where I stand on that. I, I really like, I, I, Eric Gordon, maybe. Yeah, I can see that just cause it's cheap. But other than that, any homecoming for a certain power forward in Washington? Uh, no, I don't think that's happening. I think they're gonna, they're too, they're gonna, they try, they want to make the playoffs, right? I don't think you could trade Chris Stops realistically in their position, given how important he is to the team, unless you're getting something really substantial back. And are the Knicks really gonna give you something substantial back? Seems doubtful. Uh, actually, I do want to ask you this before uh, we kind of wrap up, because I've seen a lot of talk about this. How do you feel about the idea of starting quickly over Grimes while Grimes is in the middle of this, uh, you know, little slump that he's in? Right now, I think quickly should be closing games no matter what over Grimes. Um, I really thought he should have come in earlier in both the first half and the second half. Um, I think Grimes got 38 minutes and quickly got 28. I would be interested in those two flipping or at least converging. Um, that said, um, I do. I, I want to avoid stretches where quickly has to play like twenty minutes straight, right? And I think that would probably happen if you did this because um, I, I think you'd have to be creative. Maybe there's a way to make it work, but if you play both Brunson and quickly together, um, it seems like one of them is going to have to play pretty long stretches because you probably want one of them on the floor at all times. Like even if you stagger Randall or RJ with the bench unit at this point, like if, if McBride and Grimes are the only ball handlers, I'm not comfortable with that. Um, so I'd probably continue to play quickly off the bench, but I would be bringing him in probably at the six minute mark for Grimes. Um, and then, yeah, that that's kind of how I see it. And then I'd have him close games. So yeah, somehow I, he has to close. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I actually don't want to change the, I agree. Like, I'd like quickly to play more and you know, maybe Grimes plays a little bit less or you change that stuff is fine. I have no interest in like changing the rotation though. Like I, I'm I want Grimes to start. And I and want if Grimes to... is going through confidence issues or something with his shot, like that's probably not a good idea to bench the guy. Like you want him to keep shooting and keep being aggressive. Yeah. So. yeah, and and like the other thing too is quickly buoys the bench. Like he gives us that ball handler we need off the bench. And if you start him, now you're going to challenge Tibbs to like have to, Stagger you know, creatively, yeah. yeah, and that's just not his strength. Like, I mean, Tibbs. So Tibbs would have to decide this himself, which I, it's not going to happen. And I just, I, I don't really like it. I think it's fine the way it is. I like that quickly gets that time without Brunson, without Randall on the floor, where like he can kind of experiment and spread his wings, and put up his shots and hunt for his own offense. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with the way it is. I, I don't really like the idea of benching Grimes. I think Grimes has actually been fine. I think his defense has still been really good. Uh, Kyrie Irving getting hot on him isn't going to change my opinion of that. I thought he was good against the Celtics on defense uh, in, in a really tough matchup. You know, Tatum was fucking Tatum and Brown. I see he had an off night, which RJ actually had a pretty decent second half on him. Um, but I thought I thought Grimes acquitted himself well in that game. So, uh, you know, credit to him. And um, yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't change anything about that. 
Are there anybody? Is there anybody else in that in that twenty twenty one draft class, the Bones class, that you would consider trading a protected first for, or even a couple of protected first for? Like, I mean, I don't know, but he's probably not available. Yeah, probably. I think Murphy would be one. But I mean, would you trade one for Moses Moody? I know he struggled in Golden State, but like, I don't know if you were a big Moody guy at the draft. I like Moody. He fits the profile of um, the, like what people wanted Cam to become, and probably going to be more satisfied with a with a lesser role. You know, a young guy who isn't getting much playing time on a championship contender like that. You know, it's understandable. Um, when he has played, I've been impressed. Just going on the list, so Cade. Obviously, yes. Jalen Green, obviously, yes. Mobley, yes. Barnes, yes. Even though, fuck him. Um, would you trade a protective first for Jalen Sugg? He's been really bad, hasn't he? Yeah, he hasn't been great. And, and I mean, it's also partly like, you know, he's had injuries. Uh, the talent is there. Um, and I, I mean, think the way he plays defense is insane. Yeah, he's a good defender. The shot hasn't come along as you like. Uh, he's, a, he's a young player. Uh, and also, like, they're just, they have, because of, you know, they have Folds, they have Cole, they have an, an assembly line of tall ball handlers. They're, they're running a lot through Paolo. That might not be the best fit for him. Um, I mean, I tried to, I tried to protect it first for Jalen Suggs. Yeah, sure, yeah. why not? Giddy, obviously, yes. Kaminga, I would assume you say yes. Yeah, definitely, I would. And I think they're still pretty high on him, so I don't think that would get yeah. it done. Franz, obviously, yes. I would not trade one for Davion Mitchell. I don't think he makes sense for us. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think Deuce... I think he's worth a protected first, but that's not really, like, what I would want. And I'm, I'm high enough on Deuce where, like, if we're just going to trade for another point of attack defender, I'd rather just see what we have in Deuce. Um, Zier Williams. I don't think they would trade him. Trade a, like, they wouldn't... They invested too highly in it. You know what I mean? They can't, like, admit... Failure. Yeah, and I don't... I, I, I'm saying that, like, I know he's been a really negative player for them this year, but, like, he was a super raw prospect when he came in, if I remember correctly. So, and they're like, a really good teams. So, yeah. Again, for the same reason I, we were talking about Bones, but like you know, bench guys on teams like that, you know, where they're not playing with some of the high impact starters, are going to look bad. Book night, I wouldn't probably. <laughs> God, no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> Primo not in the league. <laughs> what happened with Primo's? He was the one that uh, apparently he sexually harassed the trainer or something like that. Didn't he like whip his dick out or something? Or yeah, yeah, something like that. Right? Um, and then you had uh, Duarte. Duarte is an interesting one because he's actually available. Or he's been rumored to be available. The Knicks were really into him before the draft. Um, seems to fit kind of the three and D profile that you'd want. You know, he's having kind of a down year this year. That's an interesting one, I think, to discuss Duarte. Yeah, I mean, he shot, uh, so last year he shot 37%, just under 37% from three. Uh, this year he came back from an injury. He's at 30% right now from three, 43% from two, uh, 36% overall from the field. He's 25, so he's, a little, he's older. Still under, he still has two more years in his rookie deal uh, after this season. I don't know, he's a weird one because it's like, you kind of get the appeal of him, and he. I, I don't. I. I suspect that the shooting will bounce back. Like I don't think he's. He's a, a shooter. He can shoot. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a thirty-six, thirty guy at least for the rest of his career or anything. Um. But like, what is ultimately the value of all of that? I don't know. Um, I mean, he's a three and D player, right? So, I mean, he's. But, it's like he's like Grimes a little bit, but he's bigger. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably. 
be okay giving up a protected first for him. I don't think it's like a bad deal, but I'm probably a little less. I know, like, I think Prez still is a believer. Uh, I don't have strong thoughts on him in general, but like. He's also getting squeezed out a little bit just because of how many shooters they have. You know, Matherin's obviously been huge, so. Nemard. I mean, they've they've had they they have a bunch of shooting. So like, it's not a bad it's not a bad one. I mean, I I would be if I saw that you know pop across my timeline, I, I wouldn't be like, oh my god, what the hell are the Knicks doing? I, I would probably look at that and be like, well, yeah, makes sense. We talked about Moody. The next is Corey Kispert at the fifteenth pick. I would probably do that, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not in love with any of like the Wizards wings. Uh, Shooting forty one percent from three this year. Forty-one point four percent from three. It's pretty interesting to me, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd say I would do it, but it's I mean, not like a shooting it. special. I mean, they do need shooting. Uh, Shangun, are you a Shangun guy? I, I mean, I, I, I actually love watching him play. I know, like, he's getting a little bit too much Twitter hype, probably, but um, he's just a fun player to watch. Yeah, he's pretty fun. I think they'd be best served letting him do a lot of the half court playmaking, initiating. Whatever. He's their best passer. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, know. he's probably the only guy that can actually that actually does pass on the team so um yeah i mean i would definitely trade a practice first for him <laughs> I, I think he's probably close to untouchable though like, yeah he, yeah um i mean i think jalen i'm higher on jalen green than a lot of people but he's a bad player right now and shangun is probably their best young guy um he's good they, for jalen green actually the biggest problem is they just gotta get rid of kpj because fucking he's terrible yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I also think whoever they get in the draft is going to help. Um, somebody was weirdly saying, like, I don't think Wemby and Shingun... Well, no, Larry Israel and I had a discussion about this, and he was like, I, I, I think that would be fucking fun as hell, uh, Shingun and Wemby. Well, he would probably help cover up for the fact that Shingun is absolutely terrible on defense. Yeah, and and they've and Shingun is probably going to be better served defending post players. Like, I don't think he just doesn't have the foot speed and kind of the vertical athleticism, but he's a good stocks guy. And, um, and Wemby, you know, that would protect Wemby from having to defend. Like, I don't think you want him defending Carl Anthony Towns or Bede or anyone as a rookie. Yeah, definitely not as a rookie, but I do um, think Scoot would be interesting there. Scoot would be interesting. Um, the Thompson twins just help them much needed wing defense. Uh, they'd be fun with, um, with, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting place where they're a really bad team, but um, but he's definitely a bright spot. I don't think he would be available for like less no. than multiple of protected unprotected picks. Um, Murphy, we talked about Trey Man. I probably wouldn't trade a unprotected a protected first for. He's like definitely got some intriguing abilities, but you know we're this unsure about Bones. Like Trey Man is basically the worst version of that. So yeah, they're oddly somewhat similar. Um... I like Trey Mann as a prospect, though, so if they did it, like I wouldn't hate it. But I, I think quickly has solidified himself as like the, the point guard nominally off the bench, and I don't love playing Trey Mann off ball or and like to your point about defense, Trey Mann. If I remember correctly, he's got like a six five wingspan. Yeah, so he it's not even a case with Bones where you think like there could be like a defender in there. He's just yeah. really physically limited. Yeah, yep. So um, I, I would probably pass on that, even though I do like Trey Mann's offensive game a lot. Kai Jones? No. I, no. Jalen Johnson would be intriguing. I like his talent. If you're going to use Obi in trade and you just want to reset that kind of like four position a little bit, that would be interesting. I don't know why the Hawks would do it. But yeah. Um, Keon Johnson, I would say no. No, no. 
Uh, Isaiah Jackson, that's interesting. Um, I know he's a, Krez is a huge Isaiah Jackson fan. I don't think he's been very good this year. It's a weird spot, though. I think his minutes have been up and down, and then like he's played with other bigs. It's a weird little spot. I would, I would probably say no because I just don't like. He's basically a rim running five. Like that's his. He's thing. shown he's flashed a jumper though. He's shown like a little bit more of a skill set, and he's very mobile. So he is really mobile. But I mean, like if they can find fucking Jericho Sims at fifty eight, I'm fine. Yeah, and, and there's a few guys who have like Usman Gruba probably isn't being de- deployed correctly in Houston. He's next. That's why I mentioned this. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think he would be worth a protecting first for a team, but that team is not us. Yeah. I st- like I still believe in the talent. I think you had to put him in a very like if if I mean the Wizards don't have a first round pick to trade right now, but like he would be interesting next to KP. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's, you'd probably want some better shooting next to him. Um. Josh Christopher, not in love, dude. He's. I just looked this up because this is kind of what when I was looking through this. He is shooting. Okay, this year it's not a huge sample size, but he's shooting fifteen point two percent from three. That's on thirty three threes. But for his career, he's taken two hundred twenty two threes now. He's shooting twenty seven and a half percent. Like I don't even know what the hell Deuce is shooting. Deuce is probably shooting worse than that at this point. But like, no, I'm just I'm not trading a fucking. We already got one basket case on this team from three. Like, I don't need a second. I'm good. Um, and for his worth, I do think Deuce is going to like the form and everything is fine. The shot looks better to me the last three or four games. I just need him to start making some. Yeah, it, it'll come. Uh, and then we get to an interesting question. No. The next pick in the draft. Um, so the, so tw- Christopher is 24th. The 26th pick was a guy we talked a lot about, Bones Highland. The 25th pick what do you think Quentin Grimes' trade value is right now in terms of picks? Do you think he'd get he could fetch an unprotected? He'd probably go t- top ten in a redraft. I think he'd go. Unpro- I think he could get you an unprotected pick, but it would be an unprotected pick from like L.A. or something. Yeah, it'd be like you know fucking the Milwaukee Bucks pick here in twenty twenty nine or some shit like that. Like it's, I don't know. You're not going to get the type of pick that you're looking for. He'd be. He, it's just too hard to match like his value to the Knicks versus what a team would want to trade for him on the open market. But I do think he's worth quite a bit. Yeah. And then it's Bones we discussed. I just am not a huge fan of Cam Thomas. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Springer is interesting. I think that Philly's just it's a tough place to get minutes, uh, especially with how Maxi's looked. I, I probably wouldn't trade protected first for him, but I, I'm a Jaden Springer believer. I liked him a lot before the draft. And uh, I think when he gets a chance somewhere, you'll see him down the road as like a steady veteran ball handler. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then Daron Sharp wasn't super impressed on Saturday. Um, I like Sharp, but like he's, I'm not trading. No, Santi Aldama has been. Decent I would. What? I would trade a protected first for a Santi Aldama. Yeah. Um, then going through this, there's like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Probably they. Would. I don't think OKC would do that. Um. Okay, Herb Jones. Yes. Um. Although he's been shooting poorly this year. Like twenty seven percent. Would you trade first? Who could have? Who could have predicted that? Yeah. Um. You could you trade a first for IO? I know you're not a fan of the hype, no. but no. I mean, yeah, I probably would just as a value thing because I think his value could be more than a protected first. But you're not that into his game. I uh, would. I would. It would be rough to like have to you know recant all my slander of him. Uh, Jared Butler, um, he hasn't been getting minutes, but 
But um, is he is he still in the league? He is. Who signed him? Because Utah waived him, right? He's in the G League right now. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't try to protect it first for him, but I would. I'm, I loved his game coming out of college. He wouldn't like, have fallen that far if not for the heart condition. Yeah, I just think he's had a weird thing. I I still believe in the talent. Um, there's what also, I saw. I loved. I mean, he, I loved his game coming out of college. Absolutely loved it. There's JT Thorin, Charlotte. Probably wouldn't. Some of these. I mean, this is second round now. Would yeah. you trade a protect the first for Isaiah Livers? Like, no. I, I mean, I like that skill set. Yeah, I do. I do like the skill set, but I wouldn't. Would you do uh like DJ first? Boston to, I know Prez would. <laughs> Prez would. Prez definitely would. I wouldn't because I just I think he, he he's a, he's actually a lot, a lot like Bones too. Like they're fucking so confident in themselves for no and reason. Very skinny. <laughs> yeah, for like absolutely no reason. It's like you're playing with Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah, I am Kawhi and Paul George actually, buddy. Um, no, yeah, well, as a, as a very famous former Nick once said, Messi should come see me. So, you know who said that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I am the guy who stepped over Yon. I love that dude. Fuck, it. I don't even care. Stepped over Giannis on a dunk and then like pointed and laughed at LeBron after the greatest block in for a few seasons for the Knicks. Uh, here's, I mean, there's some undrafted guys, but would you do? Would you do a protected first for Jose Alvarado? Ooh, that's interesting. I think he's worth that. I think I would. And he'd be great on this team in the deuce role. Um, yeah, and, and you want point of attack defenders. I, I think I might do that. What do you think Simmons would get? Simmons would probably get a couple seconds. Yeah, I don't right? think he'd get a protective first yet. Yeah. But I, I would do a protective first for Alvarado. I think him and IQ would be fucking so annoying to play against. Yeah, Grimes too, and you just yeah. mix and match him there. And he's a pretty solid offensive player too. About, oh, here, here's one. Austin Reeves? I would do that. Yeah, I'd probably do that. He's pretty important to them. Um, Mamu, Mamu Kellish, really? I liked him. I really like. I just like his skill set. But no, I'm not going to try to protect him for sure. Yeah, he's a fun player for sure. And then there's um, there's Bassey and Aaron Wiggins. Bassey's been good in the G League, probably not worth the first. Aaron Wiggins has been solid. Aaron Wiggins has been pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, he's not related to Andrew, is he? No. <laughs> I'm gonna say, uh, no. I mean, Aaron Wiggins has had a nice little little season. Actually, he's shooting. 50% from the field, 38.3 from three, 81 from the line. He's only averaging six and a half points in uh, 18.2 minutes. But, like, I, I mean, I've seen Aaron Wiggins' tweets content around, across my timeline. He actually seems like he's having a nice little season. I don't, I mean, I, would, I haven't watched him enough to say I'd give a protected first round, but it seems like he's playing well. Yeah, another guy who I liked out of the draft, I felt like that LSU team was just a fucking mess. But um, like the talent, he did kind of go off on the Knicks in summer league, and he was an important contributor for Portland last year. Is Trenton Watford? Weird player. He's a weird but interesting player. What's he? I haven't watched them much this season. Is he getting minutes? Because towards the end, I actually I liked him at the end of last year quite a bit. I like the versatility. Um, I think his defense is miles better than again, like that whole team was a mess in college. Yeah, he's playing like fifteen minutes a game. Um, Skilled passer, like. Yeah, there's definitely something there. It's just like it's it's really weird to judge some of these teams and like get a read on these players. Like, I mean, I wouldn't try to protect the first round, but if like the Knicks were like, hey, you know what, we like his size, we like him on the wing, let's give him a couple seconds. I don't think that's awful. Yeah, uh, and then there's like weirdly a ton of the basically. Oh, Shonday Brown, I like him. I would not give up a first for him, but I know he had fans and you know that 
in LA. Uh, there's like a bunch of guys that the Knicks had in summer league. So MJ Walker, uh, Micah Potter. Yeah. Um, what's uh, there's uh, I saw. Oh, Farron Hunt. Uh, so the Knicks have definitely looked through this. Um, yeah, I don't know. Javante Smart, probably not. Um, yeah, I guess the that is a deep draft, but I think probably 15, 20 guys where it'd be worth it. And like a few of those, I think, are like, we liked him out of the draft. Let's take a look. But like, not all of them have produced at the level that you want. And, uh, yeah. It says something that Grimes would go probably top 10 in, in what's become a pretty loaded draft. You know, there's, I'm still super high. I still would take Mobley number one, Cade number two. You know, Franz, um, Scotty, um, you know, we think he's a little overrated, but still a really good player. I mean, all those guys have all-star potential. I would start to say Shingun might. Um, and then you have a bunch of really good role players. So pretty good draft. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, like especially with how the Knicks are thinking about cap space, there's a few targets where it might be worth keeping the tires on. Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, Stacy, let the people they can find you and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Uh, you can find me at StacyPatton89. Um, I would like to plug Jeremy's article that he released today. Um, there's a couple things I want to plug. So, Jeremy, you should check out the article. If you listen to this pod, you know, we talked about it, but uh, definitely worth a deep dive. Uh, I also did a pod with Matthew Miranda and um, and Benji and Ben Ritholtz. Um, we actually recorded it last week, but it just dropped yesterday. Uh, I would encourage you to check that out. Um, you know, Whatever you think about me, Benji's a really smart guy. Always learn a lot when you listen to him. And then the last thing I want to mention is that the Philadelphia Eagles are in the Super Bowl, uh, in case anyone didn't know that. So Nobody knew that. Nobody cares about that. Nobody needs to know that. We're not talking about it. That's why you wore uh, green today, right? So Yes, that's why. Uh, just, I lost a bet to Stacey. No, I just... Uh... <laughs> felt, felt like, you know, it's because I'm a huge Celtics fan, that's why. Uh, I have uh, nothing to plug myself, so I'm going to plug all the work at Strickland. I agree, Jeremy. Jeremy's article was very good. Um, rare good job by Jeremy on something that he did with his life. So please support him. Um, you know, he really needs it. He's going through. You know, he's he's not a very good podcaster, uh, so we got to support him when he does something well. Though, honestly, check it out. It's a really good, it's a really good piece. Um, and uh, yeah, check out all the all the stuff we're doing. The rundown with uh, Sam and Tyrese and Jeff. Check out the merchandise. We're putting out new stuff uh, pretty soon. So uh, check out the store and uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Other than that, uh, I guess I don't have much to say. I will plug the fact that the Knicks beat the Celtics, and that was awesome. And back to back with wins with Celtics and Cavs. Yeah, that, those are great wins. So really good week. And I know that losing to Brooklyn sucked, but like. You go two and one during that stretch. I think you should be okay with that, um, especially given the kind of defenses la- defensive lapses we had seen in Mitch's absence. So encouraging three game run, I thought. And I would I, recommend this is what I did. If you're going to watch, um, if you're going to watch the Nets and Knicks, or generally any game where Doris Burke and Reggie are on the call. Oh yeah, mute um, it. Doris Burke is good, but not when she does the Nets. Um, I would mute it. So that'll help you enjoy the game more. <laughs> Yes, I agree. All right, that is our pod for today. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.